Happy New Year. It's 2022, the year of the Batman, but also the year of the second coming, the return of our Lord and Savior, Michael Keaton. <laughs> so we are back at Superhero Stuff You Should Know, continuing the concept art train with the unused Batman 1989 concept art. This has been the man who knows too much about Batman, and as usual, I am with my co-host, the wizard and the artist. Wow, it's Andrew, everybody, and Ben's here once again mm -hmm. to raw dog your aural cavity with knowledge of <laughs> our savior, the Batman. <laughs> Sounded aggressive. Yeah, well, consensually. Okay, well, that is true. They did click, <laughs> they did on, click the, on the uh, they did click on the video or the audio, so you know what? You don't have a choice. <laughs> and it's me. Uh, it's Zachary Jackson Brown, your artist, and it's a, a new year, a new me. Same bullshit. <laughs> I'm excited, Ben, because yes. I was talking to Andrew about this earlier. Mm. I'm interested to see if there's anything you're going to show me that I haven't seen already today, because I feel like I have scoured the edges of the earth for anything to do with Batman 89, especially concept art. So I really am like <laughs> thinking there's going to be some special gem yes. that I haven't seen today. Yes, indeed. And uh, we have a returning guest. Please welcome back Rob Ayling. Woo! Rob, Hello. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me back. It's a yeah. pleasure to be back on the show and to be back in the virtual format again. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, should mention that uh, I obviously met you chaps at uh, Comic-Con yes. uh, the last yes. time we saw one another. And uh, it was a pleasure to meet you in person and not have to wait for buffering. Uh, yes. Or, uh, you, know, yes. you know, but it was, no, it was an absolute pleasure to meet mm -hmm. you guys finally. And uh, it was a right laugh as well. Yes. yes. Thank cool. you for coming. It was great walking mm. around with you on the floor. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that no, was great. So, as I said, we're continuing the concept art train. We did a little Batman Returns episode for Christmas that our viewers seem to like. So we're going back to the previous movie and we're going to go into all sorts of unmade or alternative versions of the 1989 Batman film in this episode. But uh, real quick, I wanted to ask Rob, actually, since, you know, a lot of us have already talked about Batman 89 on this show. Mm -hmm. And I imagine this was a big part of your Batman fandom, too, since um, for those who don't know or missed the previous episode where Rob was on, Rob did the fan film Living in Crime Alley. Great movie. Check it out. We'll have the link below as well as in the show notes. But uh, the Batsuit design in Living in Crime Alley has the DNA of the Bob Ringwood, uh, Michael Keaton Batman Batsuit. And uh, you and I have talked off the air as well about the Batman 89 comic. So share with us a little bit about your history with this movie. Um, without this movie, I wouldn't have my fandom pretty much. Like I just wouldn't, you know, it was apart from Fatal Wish, which I've mentioned quite a few times is the first time I saw or even um, discovered Batman and the animated television series, of course. But without the animated television series, you would you know with 89 you wouldn't have the animated television series either so but i distinctly remember getting the comic and then watching the film and mm -hmm. then obviously being far far too young far too young to be watching <laughs> far too young to be watching because in the, i don't know what certificate was in the us but in the uk it's a certificate uh well it was originally a certificate 12 it was actually how they got the 12 rating in the uk to be okay. it was the first film i think to be a um a 12 because they weren't sure whether to give it a pg or a 15 now i've a, mm. i've got a dvd copy of um batman 89 and it's a 15 rated film um but it has now since been rated a 12 despite the fact okay. back in the day it was rated a 12 or what mm. we call now a 12a so if you're still too young to go and see a <laughs> film you have to take an adult 
so ah, original. Okay. Uh, and that was that was actually because of Spider Man as well. So another superhero movie. And I remember oh, wow. when that came around, which was in two thousand and two. The Sam yeah. Movies? Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Sam and, one, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, the Batman eighty nine film is it's just iconic. You know, it is <laughs> it's iconic cinema um, for me and. While I wasn't born around the time that the film, you know, came out and everything, but like I still grew up knowing that Michael mm. Keaton was and still is our Lord and Savior. Uh, so, um, yeah. And the thing that I love about that film the most, apart from its um, art direction and its direction as a whole, and its uh, Jack Nicholson, of course, and Michael Keaton, is its pure flamboyancy of it all. You know, it's still, you know, even. Tim Burton said, I wanted to move away from the campy elements of the 60 television show. But yet we still have in that film camp elements to it. But it's mm -hmm. it's only when you get to Joel Schumacher, may he rest, great director, you know, where it does <laughs> yeah. go a little too far, of course. But in 89, you have this wonderful balance between drama and fantasy and the flamboyancy of it all. And I knew when I was doing Living in Crime Alley that I would love to to bring back that air of flamboyancy. And you can only do that with the suit, in my opinion, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. the art direction to one side, but there had to be a really wonderful balance between practicality and flamboyancy. And because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's a man dressed as a bat, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's still ridiculous to, to, yeah. to, to even pitch that. But yet um, the 89 movie makes it seem believable and fantastical somewhat ridiculous because of the head turn and everything but it's it's part of what makes batman batman mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and yeah and, you know the suit certainly does make the man in that in that case and mm -hmm. i i love that look still even to this day same i think all of us do really on yeah. this show as well as a lot of our, our viewers so mm. um yeah that's awesome i mean mm. we mm. grew up with that as well um, I was born just like the year right beforehand. So, mm. uh, you know, a lot of us grew up with it on VHS. For the um, American listeners or American viewers, uh, the 12 in the UK is kind of the equivalent to our PG-13, and the 15 mm. would be the equivalent to our R rating. So um, it sounds like it was getting close to an R rating or got an R rating over there. I, I think so. I think the, the big reason is... Clearly, because of the Jack Nicholson handshake scene, oh, I think yeah. that is. You I'm know, glad that, you did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, when you're a kid, you're like, "Oh my god, this is really cool." But now, when you watch it as an adult, you're like, "This is terrible." Even, what was I, I even watching? I, yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. I remember saying to my mum once, "Like, you made me watch this. Like, yeah. you tell me that I watch a lot of violence on TV, and I, yeah. you know, I, I remember. I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but." We would never put like pictures of like serial killers on our like in our houses or anything like that. Yeah, I've got a picture of the Joker who is technically a serial killer. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. we you know, and, he's uh, so badass. Exactly, he's just so cool. And I kind of gave it away. But the other thing I was going to mention was you know part of my fandom and everything. You know, you got to have one of these. You know, like just got so, one for Christmas. Oh, oh there you go. God. It's the yep. proper magnetic That's one. That's cool. Yeah, it's a battering so, for our. All yeah, listeners. A, yes, it's the 89 battering specifically. Yeah. Still yeah. My I'm curious, um, Rob, because mm -hmm. I think that the PG 13 rating was pretty new still in 89 because Beetlejuice came out the year before and it was PG. 
despite like all the uh, cursing that goes on in the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> at one at one point I knew this because I thought it was really interesting what the first PG thirteen rating was, but it was created in the late eighties. So that is mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know if it was the same in the UK, like what the uh rating system was back then. PG thirteen uh, was a lot looser in America back in the day too. You could show boobs, you could say fuck more than once, I think. Yeah. Uh, Rob, I don't know if you know this. Well, a lot of Americans don't know this either, but in PG-13 yeah. to this day, you, you get one fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. I did not know yeah. that. No. And that's yeah. why in in oh, Logan right. or one of the X-Men movies, they yeah, give it to like they give it to Wolverine. Four. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. started with first class. Yeah, yeah I, I know yeah. in... I won't use the word, obviously, but I know that uh, See You Next Tuesday uh, can, be used, <laughs> can be used once... And oh, wow. it can be still considered a 15. And I know that because of the film uh, Kick-Ass. Oh. Or Kick-Ass, <laughs> if you're uh, yeah. uh, upper class. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> terrible joke, terrible joke. Anyway, um, That's good, that's good. But, yeah, no, um, in terms of the rating thing, I'm not quite sure in regards to the PG-13 thing, but I know that, uh, specifically with Batman 89, there was so much... Um, backlash to the fact that they couldn't take their kids to go and see Batman because it was so different at the time. You know, Mm -hmm. you could see Superman. You could see the the 60s Batman television series, but yet you wanted to take your kid to go and experience Batman. You can't quite do that with um, this one. And even, you know, and I think it's testament to the fact that they had to change the rating because, you know, it made huge numbers as I remember. Like, it's like even now, like it I think they've even said if you you know just take out inflation and stuff, it's still the most successful Batman film I think in cinema. Mm. I it think it might be. Mm. Yeah. I remember they couldn't keep the posters on the walls because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was mm-hmm. people just tear them off. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. the power of the symbol. I mean, I know that yeah. Ben, you're wearing it as well, but like that's the power of the bat symbol right there. Mm-hmm. It's like that's all you need to sell the movie yeah. right there. In fact, actually, I just realized I got it here. Um, so this is another really cool thing I wanted to share, actually. It's, so there's the poster. Yeah. That's it yeah. right there. But um, you can't quite that's see awesome. it, but there is a film cell in here. Uh, sorry, here. Oh, nice. And mm-hmm. it's the moment yeah. when he says, uh, I wish I could show you it properly, but like, um, in fact, if I can put it there. Can't see it quite really. You can't no, really not. see <laughs> it. Uh, well, it's Maybe the moment he. <laughs> it's the moment he says, um, um, "Bruce Wayne to Vicky Vale," and uh, I love that moment as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember oh, seeing nice. this in the shop, and then uh, a very close friend of mine got this for me as a Christmas present, and I was like, mm-hmm. it's "Very sweet of them to do that." But I always <laughs> love that moment in the film because when you first introduced to Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. And she says, I'm trying to look for Bruce Wayne. And he says, I'm not sure. Yeah. Love that line. Yeah, Love yeah. it. Love yeah. that response. Because that He's is exactly sure. yeah. what... Yeah. It's, <laughs> he doesn't know who he is. And I, and I love that. And then when he says, Bruce Wayne, are you sure? Yeah, this time. Great. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's the like I don't I'll be Bruce even Wayne think, for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't even think even the, in The Batman we'll get an introduction like that. Better, anything better Probably than not, that. No. Yeah. I, that's why it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. It's kind of an underrated moment. You know, we all talk about, mm. I'm Batman, or we all talk about, uh, you want to get nuts, but we never really talk about that moment specifically that much. So mm. uh, that's a good point. That's a very underrated moment on that. So I think uh, let's move into the concept art for the movie. But before we go into the concept art for the 1989 movie, we have to go into the concept art for the unmade versions of the 89 movie. <laughs> oh. So, mm-hmm. Zach, 
have you seen the concept art for Batman by the legendary Marshall Rogers? I have indeed. Yes. So this is <laughs> this be... always reminded me of the animated series yeah, opening a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. 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 So we're looking oh, yeah. at concept art from the great, the late great Marshall Rogers, artist of the Strange Apparitions art arc that we uh, covered that inspired the '89 film a little bit. Uh, it says in the documentary that's on the Blu-ray DVD that this is around mm-hmm. 1980, which actually predates the scripts we've covered. So I'm not really sure what this is really for, but uh, to, just to describe it for the listeners. It is the moon in the sky, and we close in on the moon, and the moon turns into the eye of the Batman, and we zoom out, and we see Batman, you know, in his full glory here. So, mm-hmm. if I were to connect it to any script, this could be a concept that was meant for the Tom Mankiewicz script, but that wasn't until, like, 82, 83 or so. Uh, it's slightly different in the Mankiewicz script, but it has a similar idea. After the scene where the Waynes are killed, we cut to a storm in the sky, and the clouds sort of form a Batman silhouette with the lightning kind of forming his eyes. Uh, so it doesn't quite match up, but it does carry over the idea of, like, cut to the sky, the sky forms mm-hmm. into Batman, that type of thing. So. It's entirely possible that they told the concept artist, draw a few for you, draw <laughs> yeah. some badass shit, and then we'll put it in the script if we like it, you know? That's true, too. It's, it could it's, go the opposite way. Exactly. And that's what I was thinking, <clears throat> is that, like, it's like, hey, Marshall Rogers, just put a bunch of cool shit. Oh, this is awesome. Make... Let's get Mink on the phone, put him <laughs> yeah. on here, have him do this for the opening credits. And he's like, all right, saves me time. So, yeah, that's this is the earliest concept art that I could find for this. So nice. that's for 1980. Now we have to jump forward to 1985, because I could not find anything else between 80 and 85. The next stuff is for the script treatment that was co-written by Tim Burton oh. and Julie Hickson, mm-hmm. featuring a subplot of Joker running for mayor. Years before we got the Penguin running for mayor in Batman Returns. So we're looking at campaign posters of the Joker. He's on mm-hmm. a podium giving a speech in front of a poster of himself on a podium with himself, with people cheering for him, with, you know, signs with his picture on it. <laughs> Nobody would ever vote for somebody as crazy that as that. Yeah. <laughs> That's just totally out of the question. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, we also see on the right a sort of classic shot of Batman's silhouette with his cape outstretched, which, you know, it did make me think about how that's Keaton's introduction, is seeing his mm. cape come out uh, a bit. And I believe uh, that carried over into your film too, Rob, where Batman comes into the apartment it's, and you it's, do that. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a straight homage. It's one of my favorite yeah. moments mm-hmm. in the 89 film. And it's, it's, yeah, ultimately, it's the horror movie moment. Yeah. I think even yeah, Burton said yeah. like his inspiration was classic horror movies, and it's mm-hmm. the same with Living yeah, in Crime cool. Alley for me. Is that uh, both German expressionist uh, cinema, silent movie cinema, and horror movies? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is a straight homage, and yeah. you know who it is. That's the <coughs> yeah. beautiful thing. We've said the yeah. thing about the symbol, the importance of logos and symbols, but mm-hmm. you know who automatically that is when when you see just the wings spread out, and it's. Mm-hmm. It's so iconic, and actually one of the things I really like about that um, in particular is that we did pretty much get that, but with the Batwing, um, you know, when it goes up into this, the and it's yeah. the moon, it's basically mm-hmm. that. Yeah. If It's basically yeah, that it's moment true. right there, and mm. it's, I mean, it's more practical with a plane than a human being, um, so, um, yeah, but <laughs> right, no, I, right. I, think, yeah. I think what I love about it as well, because it, it almost, I don't know if this was, I don't know if... T- um, Bruce Tim or any of the artists on Batman the Animated Television series saw these, but 
the fact that it's it looks like it's been colored on black paper as yeah. well yeah I was thinking and that too. it's yeah. like eric radonsky mm. uh, for the animated series yeah yeah no, they're really <clears throat> striking very striking pieces yeah. for those who don't know Tim Burton? uh for those who don't know the uh eric radonsky was one of the uh guys who worked on batman the animated series and a lot of his original art for it was done on black construction paper so this looks very mm -hmm. similar. And yes, uh, Zach, this is actually apparently done by Tim Burton himself. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was oh, thinking cool. uh, I remembered from this because I know Eric Adomsky, he did a lot of the uh, conceptual like artwork for you know the landscapes and cityscapes of Gotham, but he, he's responsible for a lot of the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it is on that black paper. I think they, he coined like Dark Deco as the... <laughs> yeah. uh, the labeling for that or like mm -hmm. the, the genre of that art. But I was looking at Tim's and I was wondering, I was like, you know, I was trying to figure out the medium. I think it's either oil pastels or chalk pastels on black paper it's because chalky, it's very yeah. thick looking. Mm -hmm. um, but I can still see these kind of like mark making, uh, especially on the building with Batman. But mm -hmm. yeah, doing it on black paper really kind of captures that um, atmosphere and tone. For Batman, I think that's why it especially made me think of the animated series. Mm -hmm. I heard they tried mm -hmm. to scan the black sheets too, but it was just too dark for the scanner for <laughs> for animation for for yeah. BTAS. They wanted to mm -hmm. bring that into and make an animated make it animated based on the, the dark paper, but they just couldn't do yes. it. So there's mm. they changed it to regular after that, but the black paper was the basis. Yeah, <clears throat> well, we'll probably have another a future episode going into the. Batman animated series concept art, but oh, until yeah, then, and the paper yeah. stock that they used at the time as well. So that'll Lost. be the main <laughs> main component of the episode. Two hours of just paper turns stock. into a big art episode. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. Yeah, just, of just, art. Just... <laughs> Try it yourself. There you go. The deepest dive possible. <laughs> Zach, you need to get street. you need to get the fro, the Bob Ross fro, man, and we'll have an episode of you making <laughs> this kind of shit. Yeah. All right, we have one happy more. little bats. <laughs> we have another slide from Tim Burton here for a plot point that does show up in the movie, which is mm -hmm. a giant balloon filled with deadly gas, specifically called in the treatment, quote, grimacing gas, before they came out with uh, Smilex, even though, of course, yeah. in the comics, it's Joker Venom. Uh, we see two figures climbing up towards this, I guess, teddy bear-type uh, balloon. One, of course, yeah. is Batman. The other, even though it looks like a giant dog, is actually <laughs> Robin. <'Cause> Robin. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a fox. Yes. <laughs> yes. So... Yeah. Uh, that is the earliest concept art I could find for Robin being in the movie. And uh, it's kind of weird looking. <laughs> you, mm. I, part of me was just like, is that supposed to be, uh, not necessarily Ace the Bat Hound, but I also was wondering if it's supposed to be a different character. Uh, I thought it was Joker for a minute. I thought those were his coattails flowing behind him. That's true. It could oh, be. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then oh. they're prepared to do a fight. Yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah. riding along on the balloon. The treatment itself is, it's just, just a treatment. It's not a full script. So mm -hmm. they could have just been, you know, Burton's also just playing around with like, oh, we could have this visual and isn't necessarily planning stuff out here. But it does plant the idea of the parade with the giant balloons filled with Joker gas. So this is all the way back in 85, four years before we would see it on screen. Mm. So this is pretty cool. Uh, next is, we're going to talk a bit about the bat suit. We did take a lot, uh, we did take a look at a lot oh. of the concept art already for the bat suit in our unmade bat suits episode, but 
Uh, I'm mainly going to include stuff that wasn't in that episode, but if mm-hmm. you haven't heard or seen that episode, we'll sum it up here. It does look like they played around with the idea of Batman being in the traditional blue and gray as we're looking here. This is from Bob Ringwood, the costume designer. It looks somewhat traditional uh, with the colors, um, almost slightly more monochrome with the blue um, mm-hmm. on it. And uh, he potentially does, his eyes are white like in the comics, and they were potentially playing around with the idea of the lenses in the cowl because Sam Hamm did write it into the original script, saying that the mirrored lenses reflect the scared faces of the criminals. Oh, shit. Yeah. Mm, so, that would be awesome. That would have been awesome, but I'm not sure how well that would have they would have pulled that off in 89. They could probably do it now, but in the end, they decided to go with Keaton's eyes, just like they had shown the eyes in the previous versions, and I think that ended up working for the best, especially in the close-up shots mm. of Keaton's eyes and... I remember in Returns where he's looking from the, you know, the bat device or even in the cathedral when he just turns around, you can just see how pissed he is from the eyes. Um, so I think the that performance the is best. in the eyes. The performance yeah, exactly. is in his eyes. It's just, yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, it, I, I said before that the suit pretty much does most of the work, but actually that's taken away from Keaton a little bit there because it is very much yeah. a brilliant physical and how he uses an eye it, yeah. performance. A, a eye mm-hmm. performance. Yeah, that's, let's put it that way. It's an eye <laughs> yeah, performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it's... Um, because what I love about the cowl in particular, and I was quite particular with this with um, Living Crime Alley as well, is to have mm-hmm. a cowl, which is why we went for the 89 one, because it's probably <coughs> the, the the least expressive in that it's it's very clean cut. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. not yeah. Yeah. it's not like Affleck's cowl where it's got loads of like angry lines and, you know, mm-hmm. very... And even the um, um, Christian Bale... Well, the, both the cows, they're, they're more kind of army tech kind of mm-hmm. approach yeah, to yeah. it. Whereas this, again, has this wonderful balance between kind of almost attached to the suit and the, the, the cape itself. So it's almost like you're not sure where it's, you know, where it's going to come off from. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? It's like it's almost mm-hmm. like it's melted into the into the suit and to the, uh, the cape. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like just very subtle, just, you know, kind of eye brows almost to, to the almost, cow yeah. and it's a, mm-hmm. and right. yeah i think he wouldn't have that effect and it's it's funny because i had this debate with somebody recently because apparently it's one of the things that fans want the most is to have that that classic white eyes batman look and i think i may be wrong here but i think the dark knight was one of the first films to kind of get that right with the whole sonar thing you know when he goes into yeah. and he yeah. says i want picture fox yeah. or whatever. batman forever kind of has a similar moment true with the, you know that's after the riddle but that yeah. is true. more showcased yeah it's more yeah showcased no he's in dark knight yeah absolutely and yeah, that's a really good point actually that's i forgot about that moment but that's really cool um but yeah the the i think having the white eyes effect does take away the human aspect to the character because fundamentally mm-hmm. you need to see well he never shows fear but you can see something there, you know, beyond yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I don't think you'd get that with the white eyes approach. And I think it's one of those things that if I was to, well, hopefully if I go back to the world of Gotham, I won't be delving back into mm-hmm. the white eyes approach. I would still have yeah. the actor's eyes be visible. Unless unless you're doing Batman Beyond, where I think you do get away with that because it is part of the technology of the suit. Yeah. See, that's yeah. the thing. It makes it, it brings it into a, a tech suit vibe mm. a lot more once mm. it has those eyes. Yeah. So, you excuse yeah. a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, and that's, and it's motivated by the sonar tech or whatever that was in, in, uh, 
the Dark Knight as well. Mm-hmm. It's a tech. It's a tech upgrade. So it just kind of makes sense there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> look, we we've seen a lot of Spider-Man movies where his face is covered, but that's not always the case. You know, like mm. almost in every single ending of a Spider-Man movie, his mask is off because mm. you need to see the expression. Or it's damaged in some way. Yeah, it's been damaged, Definitely. so he takes it off face, and he yeah. rips it Definitely. off and, and that stuff. And it's also very much uh, a vocal and physical performance because Spider-Man's talking and, and you know, and it's it's not as vocal with Batman, especially in 89, where yeah. like Keaton's lines are probably, he probably has like less than 10 lines in the whole movie in the Batsuit. Mm. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so I'm it Batman. really needs to be that physicality. And I think one of the things that makes him probably my favorite of the live action Batman performance wise is because of how he nailed down how to move in a suit that is really not that practical to move in, mm. but he made it work. Mm. You know, I see a lot of people complaining about how the Keaton Batman would not last in a fight with the current superheroes. And I'm just like, considering how many people he beat in that like 70 to 100 pound suit, I would think that makes him a more impressive fighter, not a less impressive fighter. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think, yeah, that to me, the physicality has never quite been matched yet uh, performance wise in how to move in the suit. So uh, and a lot of it is down to Keaton. A lot of it's also down to how well they came up with the the cinematic bat suit from Bob Ringwood over here. Mm. I wonder right. if Bob um, traced this from like a Neil Adams or Jose Garcia Lopez illustration, because mm-hmm. not to take away from Bob Ringwood, but mm-hmm. when I see a lot of his um, his uh, I guess like his conceptual artwork for the costuming, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more like a fashion drawing where the person's mm-hmm. like standing straight up and down almost like mm. you're drawing on a mannequin yeah, yeah so i wondered if he did that for this compared to some of the other things i've seen for his his looks for the suit yeah yeah it's a possibility uh, especially for one thing that we'll go into later but mm-hmm. before i go into that notice how bright yellow utility belt is in this concept yeah. Mm. yeah now let's compare it to a slide that we pulled up in the unmade batsuits episode yeah we're looking at a much darker belt on the left it almost has like a little keypad in the center, but the rest is <laughs> mm-hmm. almost like black for the rest of the sides. And then the belt on the right almost looks brown, just flat out yeah. brown mm-hmm. uh, on this. I had our research assistant, Dan, look into this, and he went through an old uh, panel with the late Anton First. Anton First was the one who won the Oscar for the production and art design for this film, and First revealed that they wanted to have a black utility belt for Batman oh, oh, in man. this movie. Hmm. They're like, oh, this is the practicality. You know, it, it works. You know, he's he's dressed as a bat. Why would he hmm. have a bright yellow utility belt? It hit the news, <clears throat> and fans who already freaked out about Keaton's casting apparently freaked out about this news hitting as well. Oh, my God. His mm. belt's not yellow, so... <laughs> <laughs> this is, like like Kevin Smith always says, it was the internet before the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this is obviously a less famous controversy than the Keaton casting at the time, but apparently... Mm. There's a whole thing about the utility belt not being yellow. So Hmm. it was Anton first who said, well, brass is yellow. It's yellow enough. So make it brass. And so everything yellow from Batman, according to first, is brass like. I don't quite see it with the insignia necessarily because it's not necessarily brass behind it. But you can kind of see that with a poster. Of the. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it seems very metallic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can see that. But I thought that was a, a fascinating tidbit is the fact that the utility belt, you know, it's somewhat iconic, the utility belt from the Burton films. <clears throat> it's, it almost didn't look like that. Hmm. So, uh, moving on, 
I know, Zach, you mentioned the possibility of Ringwood tracing over other comic art for the purpose of, you know, concept art, not necessarily, yeah. you know, for plagiarism, but uh, we did receive a comment on the unmade bat suit about uh, how the blue and gray bat suit looked like the art by Alan Davis, who did Year Two, as well as a bunch of comics in the 80s. So for side-by-side -side comparisons, I have the Bob Ringwood concept art for uh, the 89 bat suit in blue and gray on the right, as well as Alan Davis's cover for Detective Comics 575 from the arc Year Two on the left, which is why he's holding a gun. <laughs> so um, I believe Ringwood traced over Alan Davis's art for this one, but gave it his own colors. You notice the blue is a lot darker. Yeah. There's a line across the bat insignia uh, for the holster that he's carrying in year two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> of course, Ringwood oh, adds man. these little tiny eyes to the bat insignia, which, you know, we thought was weird when we went over that in the unmade bat suits. But, you know, thankfully they decided to go away with that. So I think that he uh, that's probably humorous for him. Something yeah. funny, funny about that, you know? Yeah. Zach? I can see a difference here. Um, I know Bob Ringwood has been like the go-to guy for a lot of comic book costumes mm -hmm. now, but I'd, I'd wonder if this was like maybe his first foray into that genre because Probably. if you look at some of the concept art for the Joker's costumes, some of them look like a, almost a normal man. I think even one Jack Napier has like a mustache. It's almost like... Like I said, like just a, a fashion illustration mm. uh, of like a guy in these like purple suits. But for Batman, I wonder if he was like, okay, let's let's look at like the comic book source material. And there's this like fantastic costume, so he's wanting to draw off of uh, whatever's like current in the minds yeah. of yeah. Uh, Batman fans. Very Caesar I Romero with the mustache. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's well, we weird. Could have gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Although I, I I don't know if you knew, gentlemen, but uh, apparently they were gonna have originally damaged written on Batman's uh, little. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they thought that was uh, they thought that maybe that was uh, too subtle, too subtle. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, too but subtle. Yeah. I heard they I heard they never did that again. Uh, they never thought of that idea again for anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a fan of our oh, podcast, man. Logan Wood, also sent us this concept art of what's meant to be the under armor of the bat suit. Oh, shit. Uh, mm. Of the actual body armor. Now, if you look closely, this looks a little familiar. We're looking at kind of a sort of knight in shining armor-esque look, but also there's a lot of different lines on it. We've got these horizontal lines along the chest, uh, all over the place, and if it looks very familiar... To me, it looks very much like the Nomex survival suit from Batman Begins, right down to the mm. horizontal lines across the chest. Yeah. Yes, it does. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily said, hey, like this was drafted for the 89 movie. Let's just do it for the prototype Batsuit in Batman Begins. It could very well just be a coincidence. It probably is. I think but, the mm. don't don't pectoral muscles have those striations yeah. that's in them yeah. naturally. So, so they were just thinking that, yeah. Mimic that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But it's interesting that they you know, this carries over into the prototype suit for begins later on is this idea kinda, of the kind of looks like more that, uh, correct stuff. Yeah. Macaroni armor from Dracula, Francis Ford. Oh yeah, yeah. Dracula oh, <laughs> that came yeah. out later. So I wonder if yeah. they like had some of the same ideas. Maybe <laughs> Coppola is looking through Batman 89 concept art for his Dracula movie. Clearly. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, this also might have been shown, because uh, I was talking to Logan about this, I, this might have been shown in a deleted moment from the script where Vicky Vale's in the Batcave, and she sees a bunch of Batsuits, and she asks, what's this made, you know, what what are these made out of? And Batman says, it doesn't have a name. So, uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty Weird. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, obviously, the other major character in this film is the Joker. 
So let's go into some concept art, starting with something that is not actually professional concept art, but we're oh, looking yeah. at oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Famous. a famous image. We're looking at a newspaper article about Jack Nicholson in The Shining, and it was Batman producer Michael Uslin who saw this, and he was like, wait a minute. And it's the famous image of Jack Nicholson peering through the door in The Shining. Mm-hmm. And as he tells us in the book, The Boy Who Loved Batman, Uslin covered over Jack's face to make his skin sort of the clown white and added the red lips and said, like, hey, my dream casting is Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And obviously his dream came true when Nicholson actually did sign on. Uslin described it as, like, one of the greatest days of his career. You know, can you imagine? It's 10 years trying to get this movie off the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get your dream casting for the villain, he's, one of the biggest he's stars really in the, the world. He's really the unheralded uh, MVP, right? Michael Uslan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. he gets Burton, too, just because he saw Pee Wee, Pee Wee's Big Top Adventure or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, how does he make that con- that connection? But it's obviously turned out to be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? He described it as, you know, working with a genius. Or two mad geniuses, really, with Burton and Anton first. Uh, we'll get more into first later. We're, we're looking at the costume Burton, stuff. But, yeah. Burton know. was the one that had the idea to bring on Elfman, right? Yeah, because they had worked together on mm-hmm. Pee-wee yeah. and uh, Beetlejuice. And so, they were very skeptical of, of Elfman because he hadn't done that type of movie before. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. so it, it all goes crazy. back to Uslan again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they got Burton. And so apparently they <clears> did not want Elfman on it. Because they're just like, well, this guy's got all this wacky stuff for Pee-wee and Beetlejuice. We don't want that type of tone. And then he got, comes in. We got Oingo Boingo and Mr. Mom up in this motherfucker. <laughs> that too. We <laughs> got the Oingo Boingo guy doing this. So like, eh, I don't know if we need this. And then <clears throat> Elfman comes in with the Batman theme mm. for the producer, John Peters. And Peters gets so hyped up by the theme. He's just like, oh, you got it. <laughs> there is no way you are not having this job right now. <laughs> we, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm calling in a dump truck thing? right now. The dump yeah. truck's backing up a lot of money, yeah. cash, mm-hmm. yeah. to your to your mansion. Oh, you have a mansion yeah. now too. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's take a look at some official unused Joker concept art, though. Some of these done by Tim Burton himself. So we have one that's very Beetlejuice-like. Right oh. here, we got mm-hmm. the wild hair, the coloring around the eyes, and of course, the long stripes, uh, red instead of black uh, on the suit, uh, but very Beetlejuice-like on this, mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, this one, uh, as well with the wild hair, it's it's interesting that a lot of the Burton concept art, the Jokers just got crazy-ass hair, uh, mm-hmm. just sticking mm-hmm. up. Uh, we've got another one here. <laughs> mm. <laughs> It's it's like his his hair just has this triangle of different points to it. It's, it's kind of like yeah. horns there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is Doesn't nightmare it? dreamscape kind of yeah, kind of exactly. stuff. You know, well, it's like the Nightmare Before Christmas version of mm. Joker too. Yeah, yeah. kind of yeah, reminds me much. of. Um, do you remember the Batman, the animated television series? The, yeah, um, uh, that Joker look with that kind of extreme. The hair. dreadlock. Yeah, kind the of dreadlock. Like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of reminds yeah. me of that. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Um, and then this next one, we're getting a little oh, bit more no. traditional. <laughs> this, is, this is the creeper, man. This is, there is, uh, yeah. there is yeah. something quite beautiful about that, though, I have to be honest. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very... Uh, yeah, very much like a scarecrow, almost. But actually, I quite mm-hmm. like the fact that the, the smile is the smallest thing in that picture. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. everything else uh, is big and grand. Yeah, his smile is the small is the the small detail, but it's the thing that you're drawn to the most. I quite like that. 
This is very sexy. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the other ones are fun evil. This one is definitely sinister evil. Get your kids away yeah. from mm. this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm just also picturing a potential shot of it. Maybe maybe not necessarily in 89 the way that we got it, but another like an alternate universe Burton, more Burton-esque 89 where it's just mm-hmm. like it's him in the in the purple suit and then just the reveal of like the hat just kind of goes up and you just see the smile underneath you yeah. and see the eyes and stuff based off of this. Um, he also has a cane in this. Mm. He has a sort of a, uh, he has a yellow or so it's like a brass cane maybe. And mm-hmm. uh, Joker will of course use a cane in the museum uh, later on in the, uh, the Prince sequence. Um, uh, <laughs> but, and we have this image here. Uh, this is, I the... know where this is from Ben. Oh, go ahead. So uh, this <laughs> one was always very interesting to me because it was supposed to be uh, Jack, uh, Jack Napier after he left the surgeon's office. Yes. Uh, where he got his uh, face fixed, but he's mm-hmm. very covered up, and there is that deleted scene, yeah, where yeah. he's uh, oh yeah, he's okay. he's walking by people, and they're like he's he's all covered up to hide the fact that he looks like this. So this is kind of in between uh, Eckhart's, uh, well not Eckhart, um, the surgeon's office surgeon's and Grissom's death, yeah, and Grissom's death, yeah. So it was mm-hmm. like in between there. Yeah, are are there a lot of um, still unreleased <coughs> d- deleted scenes out there? From this, from eighty nine. Um, I don't know if necessarily still unreleased. However, our next episode is going to be more specifically about deleted mm-hmm. scenes, whether stuff that was in the script oh, or stuff shit. that was actually shot. So, yeah, because there oh. was so much on eighty nine that I had to split it up because this was turning easily into a four hour episode. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Last year was a year of Snyder. This year's the eighty nine, and then a yeah. couple episodes on Pat Bat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when we get closer. To the yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at a, a Joker, similar to the one before, with he's got the hat, the long coat, but he's also got a scarf around uh, his neck, a striped scarf. This also looks a little Tom Baker, Fourth Doctor-ish to me. Uh, but mm-hmm. the script that Zach's referring to is the original Sam Ham script where he wraps, quote-unquote, a muffler about his head, so basically a scarf. And it says from Ham's prose, quote, we can't see his face but we can't forget his laugh, which I love. I love <laughs> that's, that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so when he was going to confront Grissom, he was going to take the scarf off before he declares himself to be the Joker. So that's why that was there. We didn't necessarily need it, but it is kind of a cool what if when you take a look at this. And this is actually the first piece of 89 concept art that I ever saw when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And it was one where I'm just like, Wait, you mean they don't always have the final look from the beginning? What's all this like <laughs> alternate stuff? Yeah, they know the exact <laughs> thing to do from the get go, right? <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, Tim Burton being an artist himself, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder if it's like he just does doodles <gasps> just to kind of wrap his head around a character. How sure. will I direct oh, yeah. this? How will you know what what's what's his motivation? You know, th- shit like that. Like he's mm. it's probably working things out in his head via is his art yeah you know apparently and i actually do know this uh because i i when i studied art uh back in the day uh, the fact that i can say that now back in the day (laughs) um, (laughs) when i studied art um i used so i i love tim burton's work his earlier work and his animations in particular he did a wonderful Mm. short film called frank and weenie and which has now become the feature film frank and weenie as well (laughs) yeah and um his original artwork and including these ones as well has always kind of inspired me. But he, I read about him is that he always carried a pocket sketchbook with him, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is why he's always constantly like, because 
as creatives, we're always just thinking about things yeah. or we'll just sketch things down or write things down. And actually, that's something I've... And uh, I don't know if I showed it to you guys when I saw you, but it's something I carry around with me Oh, all nice. The time. That's awesome, man. Oh, nice. I carry a um, sketch journal with me all the time as well. So if I have any ideas or just, you know, I'll either write it down or just sketch it or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. one of those things that you just look back on afterwards and go... Oh yeah, so that's how it kind of really started out, kind yes. of thing, and um, that's um, and there's a I know that you you've talked about Batman Returns already, but one of the my favourite ones is just a rough sketch of the bat, the cat, and the penguin. Yeah, and you yeah. see mm-hmm. the penguin, mm-hmm. and you think, God, you were thinking like that with the penguin already, <laughs> and yet you you see it to full fruition as with Danny DeVito. Yeah, it literally right. is a cartoon or. Uh, uh, a con- literally concept art brought to life in in that one in particular, mm-hmm. and I just think mm-hmm. that is you know it's really astonishing. Yeah, I mean, have you been to Artist Alley and conventions? I mean, it's mm. like they're even when they're not being commissioned, almost all of them are just doodling yeah. the whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're bored, but still, they could be doing their phone or something. They're doodling they're like it's just a lot of artists. These artist types, Zach, you like this? Like they just constantly. Just nonstop I drawing. Learn to not do that at comic book conventions <laughs> because it's a it is kind of a deterrent for people to come up and That's talk to you. Mm. Oh uh, right, so, right, right. Yeah, because I would actually go to these conventions as well, <clears throat> and yeah, it'd be like they're they're sitting there drawing. It's not very easy to engage with somebody when they're doing that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is something I actually learned about uh, early on to like maybe try not to do when I'm at a convention. But yeah, I um. Not so much now because I feel like I'm always working on projects, but yeah, I used to just doodle all the time. I have like notebooks um, or sketchbooks filled with stuff from like middle, elementary school, middle school, high school, and college, just like constantly sketching things. I used to get in trouble for doing that in math class. If you saw like the <laughs> it, it, my math notes would just be mm-hmm. like stuff all around the border, like in the margins of little like doodles and everything like that. Um, yeah, now I really just do it a thumbnail uh, ideas out, which kind of like when I was working on Andrew's poster, that was um, mm-hmm. that was really good, a good way to like plan out a composition for something without putting a whole lot of time into it early mm-hmm. on, because you're just yeah. like kind of seeing where where the direction is that it'll go. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, just it's interesting to see like they they a lot of artists don't really turn it off. It's it's just constantly yeah. drawing, constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What I find amazing, because I know we're talking about Batman here, but one of the things that always, uh, uh, there's an amazing documentary about Star Wars um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, th- th- about all of the Star Wars movies. And it's amazing to see George Lucas go in with a post it note and a, you know, <laughs> highlighter just going, no, no, no. It's like, <laughs> I remember watching it the first time, again, studying art at the yeah. time and just mm-hmm. thinking, and. You're, you'll understand this as well, but you're just crushing. You're going, oh, he hates me. He hates yeah. my work. Like that's yeah. how. Like you're watching him just going, no, no, was, like that. It was that. for episode one, wasn't it? Yeah, I episode think I remember one. That little and, documentary. Uh, I think, it, to be honest with you, he probably did it with all of the, the prequels. Yeah, and yeah. he's just, yeah. you know, with these yeah. highlighters, and you just—it's so crushing to see him just <laughs> scribbling out things he doesn't like or things he mm-hmm. does like, and you're just like, oh man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, being they, an artist is soul crushing in that way. It's, mm-hmm. It could be absolutely stomp yeah. on your ego real quick. Definitely, mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as you get paid for it, I don't mind it. I've learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah, you get you get thick skin after a while. That's yeah. for sure. 
Yeah. My boss will be like that to me. But anyway, <laughs> let's keep, keep going, Ben. More Batman. More Batman stuff. So yeah. this is the Tim Burton stuff. Let's look at Bob Ringwood stuff, starting with uh, Joker concept art that does not oh, look wow. like Jack Nicholson at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weird. This is really interesting. Um, this could be shadow stuff, but it almost looks a little bit like a scarred smile on this one. Mm-hmm. But I think that's mostly shadow stuff because it's not really apparent in the other ones here. But yeah, mm-hmm. this definitely does not look like Nicholson's. It looks a little closer to the traditional Joker and stuff. I don't know necessarily the timeline of when this was created, but we've got three faces, including one that is kind of a almost a sad looking face mm-hmm. in the middle there. Um, maybe it's a, an idea of like maybe he's trying to look like that, but he can't because the smile is, mm-hmm. you know, he's got the permanent smile in this version. So that could right. be a reason. It's interesting uh, to see the hair too. Yeah. Uh, him mm-hmm. experimenting with the greens of the hair yeah. and how that translates to, you know, a real person. It looks almost bluish. In the, yeah. In the mm-hmm. That top yeah. one does. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Uh, more traditional on the, on the bottom too here. Uh, but Ringwood pretty much has a lot of the stuff that you would expect from the Jack Nicholson yeah. Joker. So this looks pretty mm-hmm. much like what it did in the movie. He's got the the fedora, the long purple coat, uh, you know, all the stuff that you pretty much saw uh, on mm-hmm. it. Here's another one with the cane, as well as with the fedora and That's the big cool. flower on the lapel. Uh, this one I found really interesting because it looks eerily similar to concept art I've seen of the yes. Dark Knight Joker. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So he's got That's hair that true. sticks up. He's got almost as hollowed out looking eyes because of the lighting. And the red lipstick, notice, goes past the lips as well in the Bob Ringwood concept art, like it does, of course, with the Heath Ledger Joker. So this is Congratulations, Ben. Uh, you have shown me a picture I have not seen. Finally, <laughs> on the left here, I have never seen this one. I it's like what a the fashion drawing as well. Yeah. I wonder what the book yeah, is. Yeah, now... <clears throat> could be his it's own sketchbook. sketchbook. Yeah, it's his own sketchbook, yeah, man. Maybe. His own sketchbook he's, of Burton Mayhem. He's yeah. drawing Burton. He's like in a <laughs> he's like in a smoking jacket though. Maybe it's his mm. little book, his little like case of cigarettes or something, but It could be. Yeah. I like the pants. It reminds me of like the pants that he wears throughout most of the movie that are like mm. this kind of checkered uh pattern, but like Andrew was saying, if you look at this one and the uh previous ones, Ringwood's personal style is is much different than the like batman yeah. that we mm. saw yeah where it's yeah, yeah much more like a fashion drawing like where he's just planning out the, yeah. the clothing and uh yeah. like kind of the typical Patterns. pose yeah i kind of picture this smoking jacket look to be when alicia comes back to her apartment yeah and he's like honey you'd never believe what happened to me <laughs> exactly <laughs> these are just straight up scary though there's they're missing a lot of humor it's definitely yeah, a serial yeah. killer. This is David Fincher's Joker right here. <laughs> yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I thought this was fun to look at. Uh, real mm-hmm. quick, let's go through Bob Ringwood's concept art for other characters we have here. So we have this Gotham City police officer. He's mm-hmm. a lot... Looking at this again, I'm just like, this is a lot more decked out than I remember in the movie. This is a Nazi uniform. <laughs> what it looks <laughs> like. Actually, like <laughs> cop, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then we got this gang that I don't think is in the movie. It's a random gang... They look like, like they're the from Warriors. Uh, yeah, they look like from Rollerball or uh, <laughs> the Warriors. Mad Max. The, the yeah. pu- punk rock movement was still going on strong yeah. in the 80s. I'm wondering if they cut it just because it doesn't quite fit with the film noir look. The timeless the aesthetic. Yeah. 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 So it's a little off. This is interesting. Uh, we have this shot. Comic book resources had this, and for some reason they said this is the Gotham City Police Department. And I'm like, I think. <laughs> 
What? This is Carl Grissom. Yeah. I'm pretty sure these are the gangsters. They got pinstripe suits. You got this guy. You know, you, we never were in the G- Gotham City Police Department in the movie, but we were in Grissom's yeah. apartment. Well, so, they, uh, Gotham Gotham PD is known to be corrupt, right? So maybe yeah, they're gangsters they too. Yeah, but this is not in the. This is clearly not the Gotham City Police Department as it is in the movie. I think this is supposed to be Grissom. Grissom here is noticeably heavier than Jack Palance's mm-hmm. Grissom, and that's because mm-hmm. in the script he's described as quote kingpin of the Gotham City rackets, fat, fifty, and utterly without charm. So Grissom was originally <laughs> a lot heavier than mm. Jack Palance, and a lot of that was because he was inspired by Rupert Thorne. From the classic right. Strange Apparitions song. Mm. So, That's cool. Uh, but then if you get Jack Palance on, it's just like, well, I'm not going to ask him to, <laughs> to basically wear a fat suit for this. Yeah. For a character that's yeah. not that important. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, <clears throat> it made sense. Got another shot of the gangsters here. Mm-hmm. Uh, classic look. Almost reminds me of the Untouchables in a way. Yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Al Capone, uh, the mobsters in the Untouchables. So. There's that. And then next, we're going to go over real quick the bat gadgets. So we got uh, the smoke capsules that he uses to escape from the police. And then we have three other things here, a couple other things. One is the Batmobile communicator, where he, you know, that's the one Mm. that he calls into this as shields. Uh, The (laughs) other is the spear gun. And that's the gadget he actually uses on the thug and access chemicals Mm -hmm. where he causes the guy to hang. Um, This sort of interchanges between a spear gun as well as the grappling gun. Um, mm-hmm. This is an earlier design of the grappling gun. Um, starting to look a little Giger-esque to me personally mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <clears throat> on this. Uh, so we got something that's a little closer to the grappling gun in the movie. And uh, another one of the spear gun area mm-hmm. uh, right here. But the uh, Batman 89 movie is sort of credited for popularizing the idea of Batman using a grappling gun because a lot of times it's we're associated with the Adam West of he throws yeah. the, the battering up to the yeah. building and then he and Robin are just climbing up it. As yeah, I can't wait to, to see that in the Batman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if his gun like jams or something and then he has to throw God it, it'll be, it. That, be yeah. incredible, actually. Yeah. Dun, 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 A lot of up. grandfathers just standing up clapping in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> All the police looking up. Oh no, he's slowly getting away. <laughs> Random cameo of somebody peering out the window yeah. talking to Pattinson. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, oh, the 89 man. movie isn't necessarily the first time that Batman has a grappling gun. We actually saw this in Justice League of America in uh, 1981, JLA number 196, as illustrated here by the great George Perez. So we have him shooting it over here. It's not necessarily grappling hook so much as a battering, but he's definitely shooting. You know, it, it's not just him throwing the battering. He's definitely shooting it out of some sort of uh, contraption here. So that's kind of the early version of the grappling gun. But it Who's wasn't. It? Who the hell is he fighting? The Zodiac or something? I feel like I can <laughs> see a little bit of his cape. Uh, he's fighting another caped character. I don't know. Uh, he's that might be Kronos. I'm not really sure. Okay, um, I saw the little symbols on him. Yeah, yeah. My guess is Kronos, but I'll have to take a look into it. Um, we get another look at the grappling gun, thanks to the Andrew Farrago and Gina McIntyre book, Batman, The Definitive History of the Dark Knight and Comics Film and Beyond, which you can buy in the shop on our website. It is humongous, <laughs> and actually a lot of our, um, some of our concept art that we show in these episodes are scanned from there because of the fact that they just can't be found online. So uh, check yeah. that out for yourself. Uh, this says this grappling hook has, quote, a spring action reel attachment. So that's kind of how he gets the hook out. 
And then in the middle there is the big gauntlet device thing that he uses to rescue Vicky and brings her to safety in the Flugelheim Museum. Remember, he's got this huge ass, like, Mm-hmm. it's kind of a gun thing that he points at Joker until he shoots out and it's revealed to actually just be another grappling thing. So that's what it is. And on the bottom is a breakdown of what's inside the utility belt, capsule by capsule. Nice. Uh, that's so, cool. I'm, I'm a yeah. fan of that for some yeah. reason. I know I'm always like, the, I take the Grant Morrison approach of like, <laughs> don't worry about the details so much, but I don't know what it is. I like knowing what's in the, what's in the belt. Yeah, I think, exactly. I think it's, it's what does Bruce put in the belt in terms of each capsule as opposed to, or, or compartment or pouch, as opposed to, uh, you know, what material is the utility belt made out of? It makes, <laughs> like, it's like, okay, that's is maybe it, a little mm-hmm. step too far. I'm not going to lie. Is it a polymer? For a split second, I thought it said tequila. Like, on the second one, in, I thought for a split second. But it says tranquilizer, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. so I'm going to go through each one. I try. There's one that I could not, I just for the life of me, could not really read. But it says, right. uh, from left to right, grappling hook. Cool. Uh, tranquilizer gun, which I don't think he uses in the movie. Uh, rope, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, separate from the grappling hook. Uh, batarangs. And then this says... Uh, Scan. Wait, yeah, this one says Bat Tracer, so that's interesting. This one is Scanner for X-Ray, which t- actually ties into a deleted scene that I'll cover in the next episode. Fucking sweet. Uh, this one says Spear Gun. This one says Pellets, of course, the, the smoke capsules. And then this is something that I just cannot read, because uh, it's just it's written on top of a whole bunch of scribbles. And hmm. then this looks like this is supposed to be the, the buckle? belt buckle. Yeah, with the bat insignia on it, which is different from what we got in the movie. That well, tranquilizer dart might have, uh, you know, stopped things a little bit earlier with the Joker. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot to use this. Let's, let's be honest. It's probably bat condoms that he's put there. And they're just yeah. out really quickly. Like, come on, the guys. Nice are we making yeah. a PG movie or are we making a 15 movie? <laughs> oh, if I should say that, I should bring in a 12 rating. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh. he's always prepared, so I, yes. I agree. He's <laughs> <laughs> in the preparation. Yes, Never exactly. Yeah. Without it. Uh, we might do a whole episode <laughs> on Batman gadgets, specifically the unused Batman gadgets with more concept art like this. So let us know if you want that, and we can dive deeper into this type of stuff. But these are the Bat gadgets. Before we get into the break, I wanted to cover the Batmobile because uh, we went over early designs mm. of the Batmobile in our unmade Batmobile episode, so check out that episode. But here's another look at what was looking like a more traditional 1966 type of Batmobile. We got just the fins in the back, uh, as well as the... It's almost like an, either an open top or a dome. It's a little hard to tell from here, mm-hmm. but it looks a lot closer to a regular car um, mm. in comparison to what we got. And what we did get was designed by Julian Caldo, as we talked about earlier oh. uh, on that. So this is <laughs> a classic, yes, exactly. Classic Batmobile, pretty much unbeatable. Uh, and we have the final version here that I thought was really interesting because you notice the red mm. that's in there. Yeah, now, it could just like be a highlight. It looks a little 60s. We got the sort of the front missile looking thing, mm-hmm. which at, at some point they have to explain, you know, what that is or show that in the Batman 89 comics. I'd love to see him actually use that uh but if you look at the tires the rims that's very yeah. it looks very 66 like it's got the, the red outline yeah. and then almost like the red in the center of the rims i doubt mm-hmm. that maybe it's the bat insignia actually yeah it is the bat insignia probably it uh, looks like that really yes it. yeah yeah uh but i thought that was sort of a fascinating thing that carried over or looked like it was planned to carry over a little bit um according to anton first general motors wanted to do the batmobile and came up with designs themselves. 
I'm not sure if any of them were the ones we actually looked at beforehand in the Unmade Batmobiles episode, but first said that apparently the producer of the movie, John Peters, same John Peters who insisted on the giant spider in Kevin Smith's movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like pictures. John Peters. <laughs> Read it to me. John Peters was an enemy of Superman, but a hero for Batman because he paid General Motors $6 million not to mess with Julian Caldo's design. Damn. They wanted to mess with it. Wow. And he's just like, uh, no, I'm going to pay you <laughs> your money and you're just going to leave it alone because this is perfect. Mm. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, he's a hero mm. then, isn't he? He yeah. was a hero for Batman. <laughs> Not necessarily yeah, for definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's it's so, funny because it's, it's a beautiful design, but I think mm-hmm. we can all kind of agree, let's be honest, practicality-wise... It's not the best car to be driving, is it, though? That one in particular. I would say... I mean, Batmobiles in general. (laughs) No, no, no. That's what I I mean, mean, though. For sure. This one, like, it's a beautiful design. And again, it's that whole thing with the suit thing again. It's the flamboyancy beating the drama Mm. and making it so well. And, you know, I love even the small touches, like um, the fact that he has to turn the car with a grappling hook. That, for me, still <laughs> makes me laugh. It was, it was only for a sharp turn, not because he always has to do that. Well, no, but of course, just for a sharp <laughs> turn, of course. But it's it, <laughs> little turn. things I... Yeah, every turn. God, it's, uh, all this rope that's around in the city, where is it coming from? The bat, <laughs> he can't turn his head easily, he can't turn his car easily. That's my frustration with my life. Yeah. God damn it, but I gotta look badass. That's my other pain. <laughs> oh, but it's, no, so, it's cool, it's great. Yeah. It's toyetic as fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's has yet beaten. to be beaten. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 Uh, so we've seen designs for different characters, including the Batmobile, which is its own character, but we're going to take a look at designs of what we all think, I think we all can agree, is the perfect Gotham City. And we'll check that out after the break. It's time to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. The stunning HyperX Quadcast S features dynamic, customizable RGB lighting a convenient tap-to-mute sensor, and four selectable polar patterns, so we can broadcast crystal-clear audio whether you're gaming, streaming, podcasting, or impressing your remote colleagues and classmates. So what are you waiting for? Join the Quad Squad and tap in today with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. Come on in. What can I get you? Sure, I've heard of Hair of the Dogcast. They're that podcast about video games and beer. From the latest gaming headlines to diving deep into the games of yesterday to sampling and reviewing craft beer from all over the world, Hair of the Dogcast is here for the gamer and beer lover in all of us. Available weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games? That's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard... Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash SuperheroStuffPod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. We're back, and we're going to dive into what is widely known as the greatest Gotham City of all time. 
But first, <laughs> real quick, this is from 1989Batman.com, where a group of fans <laughs> snuck onto the Pinewood studio set and explored <laughs> Gotham back in around 1988-89 or so. Our Legends. Dan pulled this yes. up because they took a whole bunch of pictures. It's on 1989Batman.com. But it looks like they're in front of a tattoo shop that was built, but not really in the movie. It might be in the background, though, in one of the shops. So, Rob, can shops. you give these two guys some voices right now, <laughs> since this is in England? What would they be saying? <laughs> oh, this is going to be really offensive. Uh... <laughs> I leave it to you, Rob, right. in your so, good yeah. graces. Right. So one of them is clearly, like, just... Like, clearly from probably deep East London. So he's probably like, all right, mate, how you doing? You all right there? Yeah, how's it doing? Yeah, all right, I'm all right, I'm all right. And the other one is more like trying... I mean, Ali G wasn't around back then, but he's almost (laughs) trying to go for that approach. Uh, Okay, okay. even if I try that right now, I know I'll be offending many, many people. So I think I'll... Okay, maybe we'll put... Uh, Definitely the dude on the right, yes. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) the dude on the right. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, Legends. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in front of Samson's tattooing, uh, I encourage our fans to let us know if this is a spot in the film. But uh, Dan threw this in, and I'm just like, eh, I'll, I'll have this as like the little lead-in into the second half. On the- These guys still talk about this day at the pub, dude. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, there's no, no way they don't bring it up every time. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, God, you so- have to have a photo ID to get a tattoo? What? <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Zach, I know so far I've only shown you one thing, I'm guessing, that you haven't Just seen one, before. Yeah. So we'll see how that holds up with the rest of this. Mm. So uh, let's talk about Gotham City, shall we? Ugh. If we were ranking Gotham, <laughs> which we will at some point, we'll rank the different Gothams, but the 89 Gotham would get an S tier. Let's, let's oh, be yeah. honest. Yeah, there's in, no way it doesn't. Yeah. In the script, Sam Hamm described it as, quote, as if hell had erupted through the sidewalks and kept on growing. Mm-hmm. And in his script oh, for wow. Batman 2, set during Christmas time, his opening line was, it's finally happened. Hell's frozen over. Due to the <laughs> snow that's on Gotham. So, uh, amazing. That's cool. There. Uh, it earned the movie an Oscar for Best Production Design, Best Art Direction, to production designer Anton First, and set direct decorator Peter Young. However, there is an unsung hero, hero of Gotham City who I want to recognize for this episode, and that is a man named Nigel Phelps. <clears throat> Phelps is credited as part of the art department in the movie, <clears throat> but he worked for Anton first. First actually recruited him out of art school, and he's the one who actually drafted up a lot of the designs for Gotham City for first on this production. A lot of the illustrations that are credited to first can actually be credited to Nigel Phelps, who wow. was his draftsman. Um, <clears throat> it was a fan of the podcast uh, Kiva or Keva, uh, Keva R on Facebook uh, brought this to my attention, saying that Nigel Phelps is kind of the Bill Finger of this whole thing. We often credit oh God. first as the Bob Kane hmm. for Phelps' work, and Phelps himself was not the one who received the Oscar. Now, whether that was intentional or first part or whatever, it comes down to the people involved to talk about that, but I think the important thing is to give Phelps his due on this as the unsung hero of Batman 89's Gotham City, and he goes into detail on this in this uh, old book that was recommended to me by that fan, Screencraft, Production Design, and Art Direction. I got it. Off, used off of Amazon, thanks to uh, <clears throat> the suggestion. But Phelps on there talked a lot about uh, the process of Gotham and said, uh, basically cited the inspirations for it. So one, uh, the big comic book inspiration for Gotham 
was the Dark Knight Returns comics, as we'll, you know, see a little bit of here. Mm -hmm. Um, The tone, mainly, he said he described it as the tone of the Dark Knight Returns comics. Uh, But yeah, we kind of got, we got the gargoyles uh, in this one shot here. Uh, We basically have a lot of the traditional city stuff uh, on it, but that's kind of the, the first one. Uh, another inspiration was Andreas Feininger's photographs of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's cool. So yeah. uh, Anton first himself said in the panel that I keep referring back to, uh, it's online, but he saw Gotham as New York and said that he imagined that if he imagined it as if there was no planning commission or, quote, mm-hmm. this is a direct quote from 1990, quote, if it was run by corruption and Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, 1990, he called 1990, it. yeah. <clears throat> Trump Tower was built in 83, so he's referring to that. But uh, the last inspiration was actually from Japan, because I got to- it from Japan. Oh, yeah, wow, Tokyo. <laughs> the work of Japanese architect Shin Takamatsu. So here we go, here. Uh, Takamatsu um, first said that Takamatsu was nuts. <laughs> we can see some oh, of the influences here uh, mm-hmm. as well. That's uh, kind of cool. Yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> I definitely get an Ace Chemical vibes. Yeah, kind of definitely. Yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool. In terms of stuff that, um, yeah, in terms of stuff that wasn't actually an inspiration, Anton first denied that the Fritz Lang movie Metropolis was an influence. He was kind mm. of just like, I've seen it, but I didn't consciously watch it in order to yeah. do Gotham City. Uh, Nigel Phelps also said that, uh, unlike Christopher Nolan for Batman Begins, they deliberately avoided Blade Runner, saying, quote, mm. no one was allowed to watch it while we were designing the film, and <laughs> Neon was shunned altogether. Which is a okay. big contrast from the Neon yeah. that we got in the Schumacher movies. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, mm. You know, that, that was after they, you know, they wanted to get away from the Blade Runner aesthetics, they succeeded, so it's a little bit more excusable that we got more of the Blade Runner aesthetic later on, I think. Mm-hmm. But now we're finally looking at the Nigel Phelps concept of Gotham City. This is kind of the nice cityscape that's in the opening shot of the film. Um, <clears throat> I just love Phelps's charcoal pencil sketch of this mm-hmm. type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see it throughout all of it. It just sets the right tone and feel to it. This is this is great material. I, at one point, I did have this as my desktop wallpaper. Um, that's cool. Just a whole collage of all this stuff. So here's the first one. This is another shot of Gotham <clears throat> and just... The idea, I think, first at one point described was to have like buildings almost like built on top of each other and just kept mm-hmm. going and going because of the, yeah, the no, lack of the no planning, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a bit of the New York side of Gotham here. This is art shared by Anton first in his panel at the Southern California Institute of Architecture in March 1990. Um, there will be more from that source here. So this is also the panel where first was talking about uh, how they almost had a black belt in the movie. So this is a very rare shot here. I could not find a higher quality scan mm-hmm. of this. Um, this looks like a shot of, of the basically the opening after the city where we're about to meet the tourist family and we're just kind of yeah. on the street uh, and stuff. So we got that. We've got this other one um, with these levers over here, but I'm not really sure. I don't really think we're inside Access Chemicals in this. I think this is just another industrial look at things yeah i associate the steel girders a lot with like this guy oh, yeah, city true. it's just like yeah iron girders like holding up <clears throat> things like you said is mm-hmm. it's like buildings built on top of buildings so there's mm-hmm. just like these huge um like structures that just have to be held up i think i was thinking about batman returns with michelle pfeiffer's apartment mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. that huge like 
beam going through it. It's very oppressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got another city shot over here. These, uh, you know, the big skyscrapers based off of this perspective from this rooftop. Um, another city shot from Nigel Phelps here. Uh, a bit of a different style. Um, and this other one that I think is interesting, we've got like this bridge in the middle of all these different buildings, mm -hmm. but we also got this building that says Monarch on here. Now, mm -hmm. this could be an early version of the Monarch Theater in the movie where Bruce Wayne and his parents walk out of it before they get killed. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't really look like a movie theater. The uh, Farrago and McIntyre right. book believe this could also be a nod to the Monarch Playing Card Company, mm -hmm. which was the original place where Red Hood fell into the river polluted with chemicals and turned oh, into yeah. the Joker. So either way, they definitely were drawing off the comics by having some place called Monarch over here. Uh, next is another area that could be kind of a theater district because they've got this movie theater that's showing the Gary Cooper and George Raff movie Souls at Sea. Mm -hmm. So that could be another early version of the Monarch Theater. Uh, who knows? Um, here's another scan from the Farago McIntyre book of concept mm -hmm. art of City Hall or maybe potentially... I don't think it's a production photograph. The people in the foreground look like it could be a little photograph-like, but the... The one thing that tells me it could be con it's more likely concept art is this Gotham Central sign over here that I don't think was actually on the set. Yeah. Um, hmm. This could be an early look at the GCPD headquarters before they actually designed GCPD headquarters, which is what I, we're looking at right now. It is that, not. It almost looked like a composite, Ben. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Like to yeah. the left, it looks like it's uh, the illustration was kind of like added in to yeah, to show what the rest be, of Gotham could look like. Yeah. 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 This could just be a production photograph. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, we're looking at the GCPD headquarters design that was not in the movie. Um, however, it did wind up in the comics. So in oh, the 1990s, nice. oh, DC cool. comics was allowed to use the designs for Anton first and Nigel Phelps's stuff for Gotham city. There was a storyline called destroyer in 92 where a bomber destroyed parts of the city and it had to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. And I think this also contributes to our generation and how we associate so much of Gotham City with this version of Gotham. Mm -hmm. Because it literally ended up in the comics that we mm -hmm. also ended up reading <laughs> growing up. So it just it all just <laughs> sort of fed into each other at the same time. So of course when we look back, I'm like, of course that's Gotham City. You know, people in the sixties might have associated more with sunny Los Angeles <laughs> and, and New York. But yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, in <laughs> our specific generation, it's gonna be the Anton First Nigel Phelps mm -hmm. stuff. I love the fact that even the cone made it into the... Into <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's that true. Yeah, the cone. Yeah. Right Don't there. forget the cone. That's it's nice. always in front yeah. of GCPD headquarters. It, it, it makes it everything. <laughs> it's the cone. Yeah. yeah. Uh. It's, it's no surprise to me that Burton really nailed Gotham City yeah. because mm. it seems like atmosphere and ambience is something that he excels at also. Yeah. Just, just mm. overall style. And, and, and Gotham City is the atmosphere. It is the ambience. It is a character, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just great. I do yeah. feel like that. I mean, as I, I mean this with respect, of course. Um, I feel like that's something that was missing when Zack Snyder did Batman for Batman vs Superman. I yeah. felt like his Gotham felt very similar to Metropolis, yeah, because there was not a lot mm, of time yeah. to be to be in Gotham for one thing so i can understand from a producer point of view going well we're not gonna just build another city you know like we're not gonna just mm -hmm. you know do another yeah. city just for the sake of you know differentiation we're just gonna shoot this in chicago or detroit or wherever they shot it i mm -hmm. think they shot it in detroit um i might be wrong there but 
that's the thing that makes Tim Burton's uh, yeah. 89 universe, I should say, um, stand out the mm-hmm. most, is that it does have this authentic gothic art deco style. And it's, as you said, it's it inspired the the ongoing look for Gotham in the comics. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was uh, Klaus Janssen. I think it's Klaus Jansen who says this about uh, the Dark Knight Returns, but he's just like, Gotham isn't New York. It's not Chicago. Mm. You should know from, from looking at it, it's Gotham City. Absolutely. And so my favorite Gothams are always the ones that are closer to the Burton aesthetic than to sort of just shooting in a normal city. You know, mm. it was somewhat, it was slightly distracting to me during Birds of Prey where I'm just like, that's downtown LA. I've been to the right. top of place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Andrew and I were watching it together. I'm just like, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's funny because I'm uh, with the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, um, mm-hmm. I think as much as I, again, I love Burton's Gotham, but I do think the first time Nolan did Batman Begins, and he nailed the Narrows. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The best part. Yeah. yeah. It's the it's the perfect part, and that is um, East London. And that's also right. just uh, central London as well. There's like the GCPD and stuff. So for me, where I work in London, I always love just walking past them and going, oh yeah, I'm in the Narrows. The I like narrows. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's those moments of, ah, the Narrows. Uh, GCPD. Uh. Um, but yeah, I totally get that when you're watching a movie and you get distracted by, oh, well, I've gone there before, so I know it's not, you know. Gotham, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. We're also going to take a look at this is Grissom's headquarters. Pretty close. Pretty okay, close. We got these like big mm. statues behind his big window here. Mm. Uh, everything's laid out in his office so that Joker could come in and shoot him to death on his desk. <laughs> uh, we got this other angle of it. Again, this is from the this is the old video from the panel, so it's not that great um, in terms of quality. But there's another angle of Grissom's penthouse. Um, and next is one that excites me, which is Axis Chemicals. So uh, the design looks very close to what we got in the movie, but one mm-hmm. detail that was pointed out by Anton first in the panel is that Joker's smile is in it, specifically yeah. this area. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is very cool. So <clears throat> that one, that's a cool aspect. And then another cool aspect is that in the movie, it's called Axis Chemicals. Mm. In the original script, it was called Ace Chemicals, like in the killing mm-hmm. joke they went off of the comics. If you look closely at the sign, though, it says Apex Chemicals. Now, this is extremely deep divey, but <laughs> Apex Chemicals is actually a different location in the comics. Does anybody know where Apex Chemicals comes from? Hmm. Wouldn't it be crazy if I knew it? <laughs> One of these days it's going to happen. I'd be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no takers? Green Arrow. No. It's not oh, Green Arrow. man. It Moon is Knight. from a Batman comic, specifically... Detective Comics number 27, the very first Batman comic. One of Batman's first lines in all of comic history is, quote, I learned that you, Lambert, Crane, and Stryker were once partners in the Apex Chemical Corporation. Uh. And funny enough, that issue does end with a villain falling into a vat of chemicals. Um, nice. So comics have a fitting actually fitting in for his kind. A fitting end for his kind. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the comics have played around with the idea of actually connecting Apex Chemicals from Detective Comics number twenty-seven because it's the mm-hmm. first Batman story into Ace Chemicals. Sometimes saying like you know Ace bought out Apex Chemicals. You know Apex Chemicals <laughs> was funding Doctor Death, like all sorts of stuff, just to try to connect mm-hmm. stuff. I, I yeah. like people's head cannons with this extremely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this minutia. <laughs> there's also like yeah. this dude turned into the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's all sorts of stuff. So I thought that was really cool. I'm like, 
Like, clearly somebody was reading Detective Comics number 27. You see the DNA of the early Bill Finger, Bob Kane comics in uh, a lot of 89. And you mm. definitely see it in concept art. It's, mm. it's not a coincidence at all. Yeah, no, it shows that they love the material. So, yeah, good for them. Exactly. I also yeah. love the fact They're... that it says Yada there as he's falling <laughs> in. Yada! Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's be honest, though. If, if Steven Spielberg had directed this, it would be the Wilhelm scream. So, you would just write Wilhelm. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's not been created yet in, in 39. Though. Oh, <laughs> my God. Uh, ben, I think there was like a comic recently where they did make it like the Joker's origin. Yeah. I feel like it was the. Yeah. I was looking at the names. It was, it was Brad, like Striker or something. Yeah, yeah. Brad Meltzer retold Detective Comics number 27, but he redesigned the. Uh, he redesigned the villain. And mm-hmm. he made him look, you know, he gave him a purple suit and made him a lot thinner and gave him slick yeah. back hair. And then he falls into the chemicals and the and the last panel is the hand coming up from the chemicals mm-hmm. so uh, mm. you know they were definitely he was definitely thinking like oh why can't this just be the joker origin mm. which makes yeah. a lot of sense you know it's um, mm. cool the next one is the outside of the flugelheim museum which is the place where you know joker attacks and dances to prince and has to, <laughs> you know endangers vicky and so batman has to rescue her but um, when you guys were watching as a kid were you like why is Prince in this? Like, I didn't, I didn't know, know who Prince was. was. I, yeah. nope. I was yeah. just going to say, like, for me, <laughs> as a kid, I just thought, this is kind of cool. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. this yep. thing, I just, yeah. just yeah, thought it was, it was cool. But I remember uh, <laughs> I was speaking to a friend of mine who said <laughs> when he saw it in the cinema, apparently people laughed, like, a lot because oh, it's, yeah. it's Prince because they thought, yeah. oh, come on. like It was even awkward yeah. then. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah. To, to me and probably to, to Zach as well. It was like Prince to us, he's the guy who did the music for Batman. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> established before. And then we found out later on. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. He actually I mean, had a whole music career. <laughs> he was, I mean, I was, I was born in 84, so I pretty much missed a lot of that. But <coughs> yeah, like by the time that movie came out on VHS, mm-hmm. Prince was already kind of gone. Like yeah. it, mm-hmm. he had, it's like maybe Batman even was like his the, his last hurrah almost. It was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I feel like mm-hmm. it was just he was just kind of over. I mean, for the most part, I think he probably mm-hmm. still released some stuff, but definitely in the mid to late eighties, it was his his heyday, and yeah. then it's just mm-hmm. just gone. Yeah, you know, Burton was not a huge fan of of adding <laughs> or being forced to add the Prince music in. So I'm actually very curious what he would have put in. Interesting, because it's like it's hard to imagine something different. Yeah, he would have danced around, but it would have been to a different. It would have been to Oingo Boingo or something. <laughs> I was gonna say it would have been more like the waltz type music that is associated ah, with the Joker in that mm. movie, where it's ah, like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, can imagine that. For, that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for the museum, mm. not necessarily for the parade though. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's tough because it's like it's so ingrained in the movie. Yes, like yes, we we laugh about it and say like oh, kind of messes with the timelessness of Gotham but then it's just like all right well what would you put in there instead and just yeah. like I don't know it's a, this know? is a good lesson even if you're a top guy directing a top movie you're not getting what you want 100% yeah. mm. you yeah. know mm. sometimes it's, you just can't win the battle Wall yeah. Street is just screaming <laughs> down your neck yeah <laughs> I mean even warning that prince in there even the, the whole Nike sponsorship thing how can we get Nike in there and yet they they just simply said yeah the bat boots the, the bat boots yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah love it. of course I love it why yeah. not yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's really subtle yeah. as well because you it's a really quick shot as well like he's just mm-hmm. and because they implement it within the story Batman is so strong that he's gonna hold him 
like across the room, like to the point where you see his feet dangling, yeah. so you can see his feet. <laughs> yeah. It's genius. It's a yeah. really clever way of getting around that. And yeah. um, also, just to come back to this this sketch here, that mm-hmm. to me does not say museum. That says right. more like <laughs> that to me says bank, like yes. a bank. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, well, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was mm. just going to say, I just I don't really see an art museum within that, but I, th- I find it interesting that that's where their head was at at the time. Well, wait till mm. you see what it's based on. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, uh, the Flugel, the name Flugelheim is a spoof of the New York Museum, the Guggenheim. However, mm. the Guggenheim doesn't look at all like a Flugelheim. Uh, they did not, they did not <laughs> like base it off of that. <laughs> just like, nah, let's not do that. So, but it is based off of a specific building. So first, here's a comparison of the Flugelheim, mm-hmm. um, the sketch, and then the one brought to life in the movie as it's first shown next to City Hall uh, early in the movie. And then we have the real-life inspiration, which is the Arc. This is in Kyoto. Uh, the mm-hmm. Arc Nishina Dental Clinic. It's a dental <laughs> clinic in real wow. life. Sure, why not? <laughs> yes. And, according, and apparently it's a small dental clinic because the Flugelheim Museum was, quote, built five times the original size of the dental clinic for the wow. movie. So, so you're going to Kyoto, you're going to see some temples, you're going to you know, do some cultural <laughs> stuff. No, nah, man, this is dental clinic, man. <laughs> i got to check out. It's in a Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'll go with you, Andrew, and you're just like, are you sure you don't want to see anything else? I'm like, no, I just got to go to Kyoto. Yeah. We're going to split for half the day here. <laughs> we'll meet so, up at lunch. Yeah. <laughs> God, I can't, yeah. I can't wait till you guys come to the UK. We want to go to Gotham GD, GCPD. You want to go to Houston? Why? <laughs> you want to go to Houston Station? Why? Oh, go I want to go see Arkham. Is <laughs> Arkham over there? Isn't that right, Ben? From oh, I, I don't know if it's open yet. Oh, the... Um, no, the from uh, uh, Batman Begins. Oh, 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 that Arkham Hospital. I, I think it got torn down. Yeah. Yes, oh, it's, yeah, oh torn man. Down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Walter Ooh. the Robot told us about that. <clears throat> being torn down. I don't think it's there anymore, sadly. Hmm. <sighs> Sorry, Zach. Hmm. But you can join us for the London trip so that we can go to Park Row. With yes, yeah. go to Rob. Park Row. <laughs> I really yeah, we meet in Park London. Row. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Also, just a, another little note. I know uh, we're talking about Tim Burton, but I, I always mm. love that moment in Batman Begins because I never saw it as a, as a 15-year-old watching it in the cinema. But when you watch it again now, you can't help but see... When you know it's the last moment of the film when Wayne Manor's burnt down. Spoiler alert if you haven't mm-hmm. seen Batman Begins. I mean, first of all, why have you not seen Batman Begins? But, <laughs> yeah. But and you see in the back, because you're supposed to assume it's outside of Gotham, but in the mm-hmm. background you can clearly see it's like the West Country. <laughs> you're just like Oh yeah. This is not America. <laughs> this is uh, right, right, this right. is not Gotham City. This is like outside of Surrey like this is okay <laughs> and you can just see Surrey in the background I just love it each time I see that now I go yeah Amazing. that's not Gotham yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's Nolan just being like eh yeah. whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah. Greenery Greenery's nice yeah, yeah. I like it you got fields in America come on yeah it'll be fine you get Lots away with it though in the Burton one like, that that Wayne Manor is still amazing and the, mm-hmm. I can't wait yeah. to see that back actually as well yeah. it's gonna be yeah. really that's going to be proper nostalgia right there, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's Especially true. Especially if you see the armory room. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is a look inside of the Flugelheim. 
Uh, nope, the you see the inside of that. Uh, the notable part Shape. is this mm, like yeah. vault circle. Mm-hmm. And we can see the inside of it in here. Um, and then we get another shot because the concept art was also used in the training cards. I think I had I some of that. these, dude. Yeah, I've yeah. got it. Yeah, I've got you've got this specific one. Yeah, yeah, I've got a complete set. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yep. Oh wow, amazing. So yeah, this is another look at the Flugelheim. Now, this next one is interesting because according to different sources, this is Wayne Tower. Hmm. Oh, okay. You, you can tell that these are the same. This is the same building because of the sort of circular roof matches here. I've been told, you know, by different sources that this is other shots of Wayne Tower. We were supposed to get the Wayne Foundation in the original script for this. It's in uh, Sam Hamm's script uh, where it says that Bruce in a plush office suite downtown on the phone to his broker. Behind his desk is a big plate glass window with a 40th floor view of the financial district so he can wave at his fellow millionaires on their way down. (laughs) Um, So this scene was cut and uh, it could have been our first look at the Wayne Foundation in this continuity. So I think you're mispronouncing it, Ben. I think that's Wang. Oh, you that beat looks me like to a peener. Oh, I was gonna. <laughs> s- Do you know what's really funny? I was thinking the same thing, but I was gonna say um, he's compensating for something else there. Like, it's just, it, oh my. Well done, Zach. Sir. You uh, once well again done. elevate the conversation here at uh, Superhero <laughs> Stuff. You should know. Perfect. <laughs> oh God. Yes, yes. <laughs> this uh, our highbrow. Yes. Yeah, highbrow <laughs> humor here. Really high. Dick and fart jokes. We don't do fart jokes here. Uh, no, I've never heard of fart jokes on this Snow. podcast. Oh. It's yes. now turned Too into far. a carry-on camping. Carry-on back. <laughs> 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 so Bruce's real headquarters, though, is the Batcave, mm. and we're looking at the concept art for the Bat Computer with the multiple screens that we associate with the Bat Computer mm. now. And the and the caption says, "quote The concept of a Batcave bored Anton first, so instead he desired quote an underground world, the foundation for the city." This is not apparent in the scan, but when first did his lecture in 1990, he showed this, which is a more expansive look at the Batcave in the different levels. Uh, this looks it. like 1990s uh, security cam footage yeah. on the right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's, really... that's the quality that we got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's no, cool. It's actually it's a certain kind of look to that, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, he expanded on his opinions in that lecture saying that the task was... He saw basically, I got to design a Batcave. <laughs> Great. Because he basically saw it as, quote, designing a rock. He <laughs> even <laughs> called up Stanley Kubrick for advice on this. because Really? He, he worked with Kubrick on Full Metal Jacket. Anton hmm. first worked on Full Metal Jacket. Um, so he asked Kubrick about 2001, A Space Odyssey, specifically the Dawn of Man sequence, and Kubrick called it the design a rock problem. How do you design a rock? Um, so the way around it to interest first was he saw the Batcave as not actually a cave, but, quote, the footings of a city, the foundations mm-hmm. of a city, sort of this underground city type of thing, which is why, which is why it looks so vast. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like the sort of smaller Batcaves that you saw in live action in the serials or even the 1966 show it's very like it's expansive you don't really feel like you ever saw the full thing because you're not supposed yeah. to see the full thing um there were still rock structures in the cave to quote satisfied the bloody bat fans um and then he wanted however to add his own take to it which is he wanted ledges he and burton decided that everything that batman does is quote on the abs- on the edge of absolute disaster it's always about to go wrong and he gets lucky a few times Mm-hmm. And when he said that, and Dan brought this up to me, it occurred to me that I think Batman 89 is actually the first instance where we get the cliffs, the ledges 
inside the Batcave. That's mm. interesting. It is striking as hell, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. it makes the image a lot yeah. more striking. Like, look at, like, if he just drives the Batmobile just, a, just an inch further, he falls off the big low edge. <laughs> <laughs> that is not very practical at all. Oh, Daffy Dog from the, the beginning of the VHS shows up. <laughs> reverse, can, reverse. <laughs> you can see like that structure down there. I always think about that. that. There's these like concrete structures and these like piping elements going down. It does seem like this mm-hmm. isn't just the foundation for Wayne Manor. It's yeah. uh, it is always interesting. There's an industrial aspect yeah. even to yeah. the Batcave. Yeah, this, this is how he gets through the underground. You know, he's mm-hmm. underneath the city and stuff, but. Before 89, if you think about it, the Batcaves, you know, there were big caverns. You got the T-Rex and the giant penny, but you never really thought about the ledges that much. Mm. Where you could, you know, mm-hmm. the ones where he's standing on the edge and he could easily fall into the in the abyss. They definitely yeah. weren't in the serial versions because they did not have the budget. The Adam West take did not have it. Also didn't really have the budget, but it's a higher end Batcave than what we got in the serials. The Golden and Silver Age are similar to that. It was this vast cavern, but you can't, there's not really a lot of deep cliffs that you associate. And the metaphor of Batman being on the edge might not have been blatant in the movie, but it certainly carried over into Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm true, pulling up yeah. the shot from Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. where like Alfred just flat out uses the metaphor on how the difference between Bruce and Andrea Beaumont is that Bruce never fell into the pit. He never fell into the abyss. He never fell into the pit of darkness. But, quote, Andrea fell into that years ago on that. And it's, <laughs> it's the perfect setting for that mm-hmm. speech. It's, it's a great ending, and it's a great setting for it. But mm. we would not have had that if it weren't for 89. Not just the animated series, but also this specific detail of the cliffs in there. So that's a, I, It's an interesting that interesting take. Yeah, it's like, Bat- mm-hmm. in a sense, Batman Bruce Wayne, he feels comfortable on an otherwise dangerous edge. Yeah. You know, themat- there's something mm-hmm. that works thematically there. Yeah. He didn't <clears throat> need railing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the psychology of somebody who, whenever he comes back from crime fighting, if he, you know, just look at how close the edge is. The Batmobile, like he he's could got sensors, man. You know, it's fine. He could always just end it, yeah. But he could always. I doubt he's not going to be going on a piss up, and you know, and then he drives <laughs> home, and then he suddenly realizes, oh, I've driven a bit too close. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> you know, and then stumbles out of the Batmobile, kind of like um, mm-hmm. Jordan Belfort in Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> style, oh, yeah. trundling, yeah. and he can't even yeah. get up because he can't move his neck. He's like, oh, Alfred, come on. Alfred. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By some okay. miracle, I didn't hit anything. Yeah. <laughs> what I love about this, I mean, both images in particular, but I mm. haven't really noticed how big the cave is. Yeah. Like, yeah. in the other versions, it's always very, you know, symmetrical and very contained mm-hmm. in one space, especially this if you compare it to, say, um, the the Batman Begins one. It felt it feels very much like a cave or a, uh, mm-hmm. inside of a waterfall kind of cave. Yeah. Whereas this yeah. does actually feel like not very industrial by any means, but it's got this very grand depth of a cave, and I love, mm-hmm. I do love that actually. Yeah. I'm noticing that, and um, yeah, and I what I loved about the the concept art before that as well, but that it is very similar to what we do get as well. It's almost mm-hmm. like they've literally ripped it out of the page there, and I think that's, yeah, yeah, that's this, worked this really nicely. Close. It's very yeah, close. Yeah. Yeah, but it, cool, it, yeah. thinking about it, we never really got this in live action again. The Schumacher mm. cave yeah. is very contained. The Nolan one is very contained. Mm. You know, the Snyder one is absolutely contained. You know, like they're all mm-hmm. very contained. Mm. And I, I have a feeling the the Reeves one is probably going to be pretty similar to those and mm. not similar to the Burton one so mm. much. 
So, I think in the Reeves uh, one, it, it almost looks like an underground train station. Yeah, that's, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, yeah. So are we to are we to believe that Michael Goss Alfred was really like carrying all this machinery and throwing it across the like <laughs> precipice with Bruce and like setting all this stuff up? My I was just wondering that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Well, maybe He's that is chiseling out those steps like we talked about. That's Alfred. <laughs> it could just be the the whole. <laughs> It could be the foundations of the city thing where a lot of the, the yeah. stuff was kind of already there. Yeah. Like in the Batman yeah. 89 comic, he tells mm. uh, he tells Drake, uh, you know, I just found it this way. Mm. I just kind of spruced it up. He he didn't necessarily build it. That's so, right. Um, I, I mean, obviously there wasn't a computer just sitting there already. I'm sure that he found some way to drag it down there. But um, <clears throat> I think some of the stuff is already in the foundations. It's already sort of there, like this little, mm-hmm. uh, these girders down there. Uh, we're probably already there. Mm. And he just added the, you know, the lights and the, uh, you know, sanded this down and turned it into the platform for the Batmobile and mm. put the cage there for the, you know, the great survivor bat. So all that type of stuff. That was Alfred. Alfred was up on a Alfred ladder tacking them lights up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would love a scene where Alfred is just feeding the bats, like with, yes. a, with, a, with, with something, just going, there you go. Right. There's a banana. Yeah. Take it. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to run out the ro- run out the cave really quickly. Just throws loads of bananas. This is and what Alfred fruit. was doing, yeah. while Batman was at the Flugelheim Museum. Yeah, he used yep. To, he used to feed the bats, Alfred. But you gotta leave before I bring Vicky back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're looking at concept art now of the Bat Cave, the Bat Computer area from David Russell. Mm. Again, a little Giger esque, I think. Um, mm. I really like mm. it. Um, yeah, it's beautifully drawn. Yeah, yeah, it does sort of convey a similar. It doesn't look like what it did in the movie, but it has mm. a similar idea of just like mm-hmm. we didn't get the white eyes, but we did get you know the lighting on Keaton's eyes in mm. it, um, where it like it went back and forth between when he's sitting at the computer, Vicky can never get a good look at him, and we as the audience don't get a good look at the eyes when mm-hmm. he's when he's there, and mm. then later on when he's talking, you know, he turns away from her, and you see the eyes and in mm. the reaction that. You know, some people think that Batman and Joker are the same, and that and that stuff. It, it's it's really well done, well directed in how they wanted and deliberate too, in how they wanted that darkness. It's so, uh, Roger. Is it here. Roger Pratt, the DP, isn't it? The um, I, I think, think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beautiful job. Like apparently mm-hmm. he he had very little time to uh, to plan <coughs> the 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 photography for the film, and I think Jeez. just like if this is a rush job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I know, right? Unbelievable. <laughs> that's just you know, not enough time to light a scene. I mean, my yeah. god, you nailed it! Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. that's why sometimes just low key lighting's the best. And I completely agree with you, Ben. That moment when you see the lighting just on his eyes alone—that just goes mm-hmm. to show again Keaton's performance right there. Yeah. But then yeah. you've got the the, sh- the like literally just the two silhouettes of the two characters as he's approaching mm-hmm. her. It's also it's very yeah. threatening actually to oh, see yeah. that because yeah. we know what he's you know we the audience at that point already know his eyes enough to go oh shit okay so he's really you know gonna lay the verbal smack down on vicky there by saying you know it's not a pretty normal world is it and it's you know and Mm -hmm. yeah it's beautifully directed as you said so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah great scene uh wish we saw more of the back cave but Mm. uh (laughs) in the meantime we're looking at Concept art for Vicky Vale's apartment, which stayed pretty close to the final film. Mm. We've got the doors that both Bruce and Joker walk through and say, nice place, lots of space. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, not really a shot of the 
the fireplace, though, where <laughs> Bruce says you want to get nuts, but oh well. <laughs> um, this is a map of the Joker's parade uh, that I thought was yeah. interesting ah. to pull up. Um, That's cool. So we got the cathedral here. Uh, so the parade is going down here. This is uh, passing by the city halls over there, passing by a theater. So it pretty much matches up with what they did in the movie of the direction. But uh, this is where the parade comes in. And so let's take a look at some of the parade floats. Yes, there's a concept art for <laughs> yes. the Joker's Wow. Parade. This is pretty awesome, dude. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see the we baby. Got, the yeah, baby we got the baby. Mm-hmm. We got the clown with the birthday hat. Uh, and then everything else is pretty different. We got an Eggman. We got a bull. We got a fly. We got a dog. A few other clowns. Mm-hmm. Spider thing over on for the cat. for the audio yes. listener. This yeah. is like looks pretty different from the other art we've been yeah. looking at. It's a lot more traditionally cartoony. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think they had to be for yeah, definitely the Joker's parade. Definitely, um, yeah. The so. ones on the far left, uh, far upper left, look like Tim Burton sketches. Yeah, mm. and the other ones look like oh, a yeah. little bit more finished uh, yeah. illustration. Oh, yeah, yeah that baby. <laughs> you got the birthday cat clown over here on the left, as well as a more refined looking one on the right. However, the one the Tim Burton looking illustration on the left looks a lot closer to what we got in the movie with the long nose. Yeah, stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Some of these actually kind of look like rejected. Pokemon designs like one <laughs> yeah. of them like looks like Krabby like that yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of looks like Krabby. a Krabby and that's yeah. true yeah. the yeah. one below that is kind of like a spider but also cat kind of looks like the the cat from Batman Returns the um, Shrek. Shrek's yeah. cat oh like oh, yeah. that makes me think of those clocks the uh, yes oh, yeah like yes. hanging clocks from like the 50s or 60s yes yeah. it's like, yeah, 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 it's yeah. like a, it's Felix like an evil, evil Felix with spider legs. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's probably the most disturbing one here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, All of this would have pushed the R rating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of this would have gotten into the R rating category. <laughs> this was worse than a fuck. 15. <laughs> Automatic 15. The UK. What does that balloon say? See you next Tuesday. <laughs> Get this out of here. <laughs> The Americans know too much. (laughs) Uh, Well, at this parade comes the Batwing. So we're going to look at some early versions of the Batwing. This is an early sketch that we're looking at. Not quite filled in, but you kind of see Batman uh, piloting it over here. Um, Here's more looks thanks to the Farago McIntyre book. Again, Mm -hmm. you can see some more traditional planes in the top left. Um, These almost look like the X-Men. Jet uh, at the yeah. top. Oh, they're not, Blackbird, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't quite. It look does. That it does look like the the Blackbird, yeah. like yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thankfully, they revised that so that it would actually have the silhouette of the bat. Yeah. So uh, that's from there. This is another shot from the Farago McIntyre book where it looks Ooh. like, first off, the Batwing to me looks a little Zack Snyder Batwing ish. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, with that thing on the back. Yeah, yeah. And then it's passing by the Monarch building. Again, that's either the Monarch Theater or the Monarch Playing Card Company. Um, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then we got another one from David Russell, who's got that like really cool, almost, similar to Burton. Uh, so it's a mix of like Giger and Burton stuff, I think, in terms mm-hmm. of his style on this. So that's cool. But his Batwing sort of has a lot of these extra fins, extra wings on there. Scallops the here. Kind of looks like scallops. the, the Batboat. Almost from yeah. Batman Forever. From Forever, yeah. Yeah, this angle looks a little bit like the Batarang as well. Mm. Uh, on it's a little getting bit into a, almost a steampunk territory. Something about mm-hmm. this way it's scalloped or something. Mm. Yeah, 
Probably yeah. more like an octopus, like the you know the Spectre logo from James Bond. Kind of yeah. looks like that. Oh yeah, a little bit, look, yeah. 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 yeah, not really batty. Yeah, um, this one's less batty. It almost looks like a stingray on the way that's <laughs> flying on the way to Gotham City yeah. over here. Hmm. Um, but thankfully, yeah. we got closer to the final design. Yeah, uh, and finally, the colored-in final design from a magazine scan. The yeah. caption Keep it simple, says, "Stupid." The what? It's like keep it simple, stupid. It's like yeah, just exactly. make it look like the bat symbol. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, exactly. is my this is my number two bat vehicle after the Batmobile. Oh yeah, the the Burton Batwing, <coughs> number two out mm -hmm. of all categories, and out of all movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, number one Batwing, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, it's, uh, in, it's interesting looking at this now because um, we were discussing earlier about the Batmobile and stuff and about the yeah. practicalities and stuff. And obviously, in Batman Returns, it's explained that you know he kind of built it and he's you know rebuilding it again because he had to go mm -hmm. through the you know. How on earth did he do this? <laughs> you know, this is <laughs> yeah. Alfred. Yeah, Alfred's there. Like. <laughs> Alfred's a very good mechanic. Very Alfred good was mechanic. a Royal Air Force, I think, so <laughs> uh, he figured it out. So, <laughs> uh, the caption here says, first wanted to surprise the audience so he didn't rely on preconceived notions for the Batwing seen in the film's finale. Mm. And I'm not really sure what the preconceived notions were. I guess maybe the preconceived <laughs> notion, because like this is the first Batwing on screen, but maybe the preconceived notion was the Batcopter. In the, the whirly bats, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or the whirly bats. Yeah, I guess but... that's the only thing it could have been. <clears throat> yeah, um, I guess the Batwing in the comics beforehand did sort of look more plain or jet-like. So mm. to make it even more, basically, just a flying battering mm. was something that was really cool. And we also see, similar to the Batmobile designs we saw earlier, uh, the red outlines that are a little sixty-six-like. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's been cool. Um, next is the shot that's in the thumbnail of the Joker run away, running away from the Batwing, shooting at it, because I think in the concept art, Batman is a better shot than he was in the movie, and is actually <laughs> actually close to hitting right Joker. Right on his heels, yeah. <laughs> right on his heels, as opposed to missing completely uh, on this, but this is the uh, what's in the thumbnail for the YouTube version. And the Joker the, is a lot thinner, a lot more traditional than what we got from He's got Jack blue Nicholson. lips. But yeah, he does not Joker have the red does. lips. He also looks a little James Woods-like to me. So. <laughs> it's a very, yeah, well, very. Would have been a very interesting Joker. casting choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Sam Ham did say that he was considered. Was he? Wow. Well, yeah. In terms of just brainstorming, I don't think they actually offered it to him. But dodged they, a bullet on that they one. Said, yep. They said that um, they were just like, okay, who could it be? Mm. So like, one was Woods. One was, of course, Willem Dafoe. Uh, oh, on this, yeah. I could see Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. This, uh, but but specifically in this image as well. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this seems slightly boring, but this is a shot of one of the buildings in Gotham during the Batwing sequence, but <laughs> you might notice this is upside down. I don't know uh, if this is yeah. because Heritage Auctions, oh, yes. Heritage Auctions has this concept art, so I don't know if they just, the boring explanation is they had it upside down, accidentally put their watermark on the wrong end. Yeah. That's all <laughs> that happened there, man. That's probably what happened, Yeah, but I thought I'd to include it on there because the Batwing does crash, uh, in the movie, so... <laughs> Uh, and he does pass by this building specifically when he's on his way down. But well, that's like at the end of the movie, Ben, when it like travels up oh, the yeah, like, yeah, yeah. side of the building, and he's standing on the top of one of those things. It's like yeah. the uh, scaffolding on the side yeah, of the building. Yeah, it's like this yeah. weird, yeah, uh, construction scaffolding type stuff. So that's what we're looking at. But the more exciting looking thing of, is, of course, the Gotham Cathedral. Mm. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah! The first design on the left was Anton. Anton first says that was the first crack. 
at it. Uh, it's a little hard to tell, but the one on the right is in a lot clearer definition and is a lot better and a lot creepier. Uh, anyway, uh, I think it might. I think it's a lot more intricate than what's actually in the movie too, because we got the. I don't remember these little separate towers mm. um, that much um, mm. on that. Um, I mean, there probably are some, but not. It doesn't look quite like this in it. Um, the cathedral itself was, according to her, uh, Anton First, it's funny that you mentioned this movie earlier, Rob, but it was a tribute to Psycho in the fact ah. that uh, both Anton First and Tim Burton really loved the special effect of how they made the house on top of the hill mm. in Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh. they wanted a similar effect for just how big and tall the cathedral was. Because they didn't fucking build a cathedral that tall in real life, yeah. obviously. Nope, just the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and the door. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the actual, like, it was the steps and just enough of the cathedral so that they could have it in the shot and make it be believable, but it wasn't the full, full-on full building because that's just way too much. Mm. Um, this is a concept of the cathedral interior that is pretty close to what we got. We got the yeah. giant bell, the, mm-hmm. uh, the gargoyle on the sides, um, and then, of course, a shot of Batman looking at the bat mm. signal from David Russell, like Sweet. the final shot of the film. Batman a little closer, in the, a lot closer in the frame. He's in the foreground this time, but uh, this is a look at it. Now, uh, we aren't necessarily done, even though we're at the end of the movie, because I have a bunch <laughs> of unused posters for this movie. Cool. Oh, shit. Yes. Starting with the one that's in the square version of the thumbnail, this was oh, an unused wow. poster. Oh, wow. Uh, I've yes. seen this one before. Well, that's yeah. cool. Batman... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a silhouette of Batman over Gotham City, and inside of Batman's body is Jack Nicholson's Joker face. (laughs) It looks a little weird, because the cape almost looks like Joker's wearing some kind of hood (laughs) with Mm. with a bat head on. Yeah, yeah. So that might be why they rejected it. Um, But we'll take a look at some more here. This one Uh, looks, if you look at it, Ben, like I always think that Batman looks like the animated series. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. Yes, that's true. Yeah, the part where his eyes narrow in the opening. Yeah. I have a slight confession to make about this particular concept art piece. Mm. Um, So I've seen this one before, (coughs) and um, to kind of nicely trace it back to something I've done um, with Living in Crime Alley, we have kind of done something very similar to this. We actually did take inspiration from this particular piece with um, the city as it is in the poster. So if you you get a chance, you have a look at the poster again um, mm-hmm. of Crime Alley. Mm-hmm. We have the city or Crime Alley there, and then we have the two characters in the middle um, as it's displayed there. We actually did see that. Into, yeah, that yeah, we did actually homage to that. So I'm very... that. By the way, that is not planned. I Generally, that is true. So <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we have some others, uh, but you'll notice a lot of the different posters have Batman and Joker on them. We did not. Mm. They, you know, the the idea of just having the bat symbol on there was like almost revolutionary at the time. Even mm-hmm. though, like yeah. these days, it's just like, well, so simple. It's the first Batman movie. Just put the the bat symbol on there. Apparently, um, Peter Goober, the other producer on this, did not get what it was. He just thought that it, it was like, is it a mouth with teeth? Like he just did not get what the oh bat symbol God. was, which was kind of dumb. Yeah. Was like it's on his chest. Uh. It's, it's the most famous, one of the most famous superhero symbols <laughs> yeah. of all time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what he was thinking. But anyway, yeah. this shows, uh, you know, Batman and Joker side by side. Um, <clears throat> the Jack Nicholson like this is pretty close to Keaton one, less so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, a lot they less tried. so. <laughs> also, tried real Batman hard. doesn't smile, which is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it's off. I'm just hanging out with Joker. Yeah. I killed my parents. About yeah. to make out with him in, another one, in the other one on the right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we have a couple that uh, now this is we're getting interesting because we're getting into different taglines that they were debating about for the movie. They ultimately didn't really have one, but a lot of times, you know, the posters would have some sort of tagline that would carry over into the trailer and stuff. I cannot read what the fuck is on the left. I've it, seen it before, but I can't remember what it's called either. Yes. It's like two men scarred and da 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 da. That's actually on another one. That. Yeah, that's another one. That's another <laughs> yeah. one. I'll have, you, I'll, have, I'll have you read that one because that one is a lot bigger and clearer. But the one yeah. on the right, <clears throat> the one on the right says, "Quote: In the not too distant future, law will have no meaning, courts will have no power, and justice will have no champion. And then he will return." I'm not really they sure really why he says returns he will return. in there. Yeah, where's he yeah. been at? Yeah, this is and they, the first movie. Yeah, <laughs> and they also like, say the future. They try to make it like a sci-fi film again. It's just a little bit. I don't know. It's it's kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, I like it better when it's timeless. Not, yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. if anything, it's more. It feels more set in the past than in the future. I guess yeah, they didn't. Image, they didn't think uh, you'll believe a man will be a bat. Didn't quite swing as well <laughs> with the uh, yeah. well, That's good. That's good. They should have just done that. It's better than what they yeah. got here. This, uh, this image of Joker is interesting because it looks like it's the face from um, when he's with the, you know, Grissom's yeah. former yeah, associates yeah, yeah. and it's flesh colored. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the body looks like either, I know it looks like Bob Ringwood's initial sketch, but I think it's from a photo reference of another Ritz, image yeah. of Joker. I wonder why they put the two heads together. Yeah. Could, didn't just use one photo of him. I, I think he only really has the cane when he's wearing the beret in the museum. I don't remember him having the cane when he's wearing the True. Uh, it's from, um, it's like the, what do you call it? Like not publicity photos, but promotional photos. Yeah, the, the Chad Nicholson as Joker, yeah. like with the gray background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. think it's from one of those photos. I just wonder I why so he too. changed the head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you also notice the Gotham cathedrals in the background of both. Yeah, mm. that's the setting yeah. of the finale uh, on that. Uh, but Zach, I'll have you read this one. I think it's clear enough. Two driven men scarred by tragedy. <laughs> one became a hero, the other a madman. But only one will claim the night. <laughs> that's kind that's of a spoiler, isn't it? If you think I mean, about it, they're kind of spoiling. I mean, Keaton kind of did spoil the movie uh, infamously on. Oh yeah, um, he did. Let's, was it David Letterman or something? I think was it was it? Letterman. Yeah. 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 It's an amazing oh, clip man. as well. He just literally even says, Oh, yeah. I, I guess that's kind of a spoiler. Uh, Joker kills my parents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's amazing. This he drawing. Was before man. Tom Holland. Yeah. There was before Michael Keaton. Before, yeah, he, before Keaton's Tom, original before Holland. Mark Ruffalo, before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I get um, what you're going to say, Andrew. The likeness is uh, strange. It's a little uh, bit a little bit off. Even worse on Keaton. Like, at least yeah. you're just like, eh, I guess, but Keaton, I'm just like, that's kind not of the Joker. Keaton at all. Mm -mm. Yeah. I guess they were kind of just, it feels like they were, they were certain, right, we're going to get Jack, but we're not sure if we're going to keep with Keaton. So they just yeah. did something. It feels like they just didn't have any yeah, they just they didn't have any references. It feels like with well, the Batman. former two didn't even have Batman's face showing. He was in yeah. so much shadow, mm. and there yes. is a potential reason for that that I'll go into towards the end mm -hmm. uh, on that. But you might notice, yeah. So this doesn't have Keaton's likeness very well. The previous one just has Keaton's face darkened. Mm. Um, we'll go into some others where you see it clear. So you see a lot clearer oh, yeah. in these, and you'll notice the tagline: "Only one will claim the night" is on mm. both uh, yeah. on it. They included, which, you know, isn't bad, you know, for an 80s Batman movie thing. Like, that's cool. Uh, you've got, they added Vicky Vale here. 
we got Joker's face as a moon in the, on the one on the right. I like it. <laughs> this is so, the best one out of these, the best I think. one so far, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool. But, oh, man, we got a lot more. Uh, <laughs> so this one also has only one will claim the night on it. Um, it's got the Jack Napier uh, image, yeah. which is not Joker, but Jack Napier on it. On one side, Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne on the right, I guess showing the men behind Ultra the egos, yeah. yeah. And then we've got the Batmobile just driving right in between them. Uh, a shot of the city and then Batman leaping. And I love this photo. This photo of Batman this leaping yeah, might look slightly familiar because it's been compared to the Dark Knight yeah. Returns. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's leaping yeah. down. Yeah. 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 Um, also, I, I kind of noticed that the... The waffle suit. Yeah, it's a waffle suit. <laughs> He's wearing a waffle in the poster because... <laughs> Look at those lines. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Not at all what it's he kind of like that action movie. figure, that like radar Batman or whatever he is. He does yeah. have that kind of waffly <clears throat> suit. That's true. Um, this this only one of... will claim the night was yeah. they probably had this all the way up until release. Like mm. this, this yeah. feels like. It's not even the theme. That's the thing that annoys <laughs> I know, me. I'm not I know. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's not even like. <laughs> the the marketing department probably never read the script. Yeah, yeah. You know no, what yeah. I mean? Like they yeah. just do not know. They're doing what their best. What sounds cool? Yeah. Uh, Batman Only yeah. one will claim the night. Nice. Yes. Mm. Like we learned with uh, what was it? BVS. The marketing yeah. department named the movie. Yeah. Pretty much. You know, yeah. it wasn't even Snyder or the mm-hmm. screenwriter Terio's idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Terio was just like, "You're going to call it Batman versus Superman? This is not yeah. what I wanted." Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, this unused poster was done <clears throat> by John Alvin, and mm-hmm. Dan actually brought us some scans from John Alvin's book uh, yep. going into this unused poster, including an alternate version where Jack Napier is holding up a Joker card mm-hmm. uh, down cool. there. So, that's cool. Uh, oh, that's yeah. cool. Uh, so this is uh, a couple of similar designs from what we've seen with uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker popping out of a Joker card. Uh, that's kind of cool. With, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Batmobile driving, uh, driving away and Batman in the foreground with, uh, you know, his arm in that pose. Mm. Um, but these are also done by, you know, also done by John Alvin, also featured in his book. Um, this next one looks like a Mad Magazine parody a little bit to me on the <laughs> left. Uh, it's And the tagline says, what does it take to beat a Joker? Um, <laughs> but it's got, uh, it's got the somewhat of likeness is almost like a caricature version yeah. of uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker and Michael Keaton's Batman, but they're inside of a, inside of a Jack, inside of a card, a Jack and club card. And this is an homage. It seems like to the Brian Boland art of uh, Joker and Batman on the uh, card um, with, you know, the J on the top for Joker and the B on the bottom for Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that, and uh, they did actually use the Brian Boland Joker art in the movie. It yep. is on the sleeves of the Joker. Oh yeah, uh, that's yes. right. The movie, yeah. Mm. Uh, except it's not. They don't put Batman on there. Obviously, it's just Joker. Yeah. With Joker <laughs> flipped on the around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the little tribute to Brian Boland, since uh, you know the Killing Joke is Tim Burton's favorite comic, and uh, Sam Hamm really loved it too, and tried to put some lines from the Dark Knight, uh, from the Killing Joke, into his scripts. Uh, even though I don't think I read the draft where there were killing joke, there was killing joke dialogue. I think I only read one where there was the Dark Knight Returns dialogue, where mm-hmm. Joker talks about like how many people Batman's killed by letting the Joker live. Uh, that's right out of the Dark Knight Returns. Mm. Uh, but this next one comes courtesy of Bat- Burton's Gotham on Instagram. The user Burton's mm-hmm. Gotham, 
and is done by the late painter and illustrator Chris Achilleos. This is a 31 by 42 painting commissioned by Warner Brothers to wow. do it. So um, it feels a little less like a movie poster that you'd see in the theater in the 89 and more of just like a really cool art thing that mm-hmm. they would sell. But apparently it was not used because, quote, it was found at the last minute that the star of the film had a clause on his contract forbidding the use of any artistic interpretation on any promotional material. So that potentially explains why Keaton's likeness is a little off wow. in a couple of those, or his face is completely darkened, or Jesus, the final poster. Man, that's crazy. There is no Michael Keaton. It's just the symbol. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Achilles said, quote, you can imagine how disappointed I was, as was Warner Brothers, who loved it and who had to pay me for it, and the poster company <laughs> Athena, who had posters and calendars printed and ready to distribute of this. I have one of these rare posters. All the others were destroyed. Oh, so, man. Wow. Damn. Oy. Yeah. <clears throat> Where so, does he live now? Let's go interview him <laughs> and see it in person. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> he passed away. Oh, well, goddamn. <clears throat> um, <laughs> we're going to end this one on one of the better ones, I think, and or more interesting ones because the tagline is not only one will claim the night. The tagline is, justice is always darkest just before the dawn, which, of Ooh. course, gets echoed by Aaron Eckhart's Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. That's cool. Uh, <clears throat> about being darkest before the dawn. So <clears throat> that is the one that we'll end on for this one, specifically on the concept art. But I guess a round table, tell us some of your favorites from this episode. This was a long-ass episode on this. Thank God I split this up. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> starting with Rob. In terms of the concept and everything you've seen, there was some, I mean, I, I really liked seeing the Batcave stuff, actually, but um, seeing these last poster ones in particular has really intrigued mm-hmm. me because you almost see a different way of marketing the movie each time there was one a few back mm-hmm. where you had vicky vale on batman's shoulder like holding on to him kind of and it almost made it look like it was going to be a romance oh, like yeah. kind of film there so it almost Adventure, ended, yeah yeah and uh it was interesting to see the different designs of uh the architecture of gotham as well and yeah, yeah no there was some really um well i mean if i'm completely honest all of it has been really stunning to look at because um, mm-hmm. it's craft at the end of the day and it's really beautifully yeah. designed. Um, one of the things I was going to mention before, because it always makes me laugh now because I didn't notice it before, but you know in the clock tower, you know, the, the fact that the, in the church, sorry, and, mm-hmm. and you've got the bells and everything. And I never noticed this, by the way, but it's, I can't help but laugh each time I see this now. The bell falls down and what does Jim Gordon decide to do? He tries to move it by himself. <laughs> what yes. on earth are you thinking? Like he's literally going, Oh it's like, come on. Gordon, you are at least in your seventies. What are you doing? <laughs> like, right, right, right. He's literally trying to push it. I was a young man once. Yeah, he's he's, he's really going for it. It's like he's like, oh god, I gotta try and get That's get true. us up these stairs. Mm. And then he tries like once or twice, he's just like all right, uh, let's go. Yeah, it's just, yeah, let's just go. I, <laughs> I never noticed it before, but I, I now see that every time and I laugh because I just think... That's hilarious. I, I mean, it's one of those things, like, even now as a director, I'm always cautious of, of like, making sure I don't have an actor do something really stupid as that. Because then someone <laughs> like us on a podcast will pull that out and go, why on earth is that guy attempting to push a fucking bell, which is clearly dropped and it's not going to move unless you get a forklift. And yet you've got this 70 plus year old man trying to move it out of the way. It's not going to yeah. happen, Gordon. <laughs> Just, and yeah, 
I, I, but yeah. um, in terms of the concept art and what we've seen, I, I think it's such a shame from the last one in particular that we didn't get to see that um, printed. I think this sky, mm. if I'm honest, is a little too orange for my liking because I think it kind mm. of goes against oh, the design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think yeah, it goes against yeah. the design of the film. But yeah, if you had it, true. say, purple or blue, I think yeah. spot oh, yeah. on. Like, cool, it's yeah. really stunning. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't... Like, the background itself is a different aesthetic, you know? Mm. And it's just going for a, a complementary color scheme. Yeah, mm. yeah. Like, you got Sunrise. You got the cathedral in there. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The bat, the bat signal is a different design than what we got in the movie. Mm. Um, but it's pretty... It's it's a pretty stunning piece of work, mm. you know? Absolutely. Um, I guess we can go back up to the top. Andrew, what did you think oh. of the concept art? Yeah, my favorites were probably I like I do like Tim Burton's sketchbooks, mm-hmm. sketches. Uh, I like Burton's like he's definitely as we all know, you know the kind of the sad emo boy before there were sad emo boys. <laughs> yeah. But he's never without humor. He mm-hmm. always has a certain lightness to it. He's playful, so he's kind of sad, but he's definitely not suicidal. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's. <laughs> He's macabre fantasy with 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 humor involved. So even with the Joker, the psychotic Joker drawings and stuff, there's something. Well, I guess yeah, there's something humorous about the Joker, obviously. But yeah, and then other than that, uh, I like the I like the cartoony stuff. I think too. I like the I like the the balloons, mm-hmm. and I got to get up to the Batwing. Love oh, that. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. aviation <laughs> yeah. art and that kind of. There's a certain aviation look. And you could see that uh, in that drawing as well. Like I don't know, blue that blueprint schematic kind of look I think is cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's, <clears throat> I mean, we'll get to it eventually at some point. But there's an aviation element in Amano Recon, something that I'm sh- I'm shooting now or mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in production for now. So yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Nice, Zach. Well. I gotta say, you did show me that one piece of Joker artwork I'd never seen before with him in the smoking jacket. But I think nice. overall, like, <laughs> I do enjoy looking at uh, Bob Ringwood's conceptual art for Joker specifically because it's interesting to see his interpretation. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure he was very aware of Cesar Romero's um, interpretation of the Joker. Yeah. But it was interesting to see him try to work out how this flamboyant character would look in real life and how to you know make that work in his own his his eye for design so that's just really interesting to me to see how he came up with that and mm-hmm. i did like looking again at these uh uh unused poster concepts because um, i've seen quite mm-hmm. a few of them that john alvin had yeah. done in his book as well and it's it's just really interesting to me as somebody that's had to do like a lot of artwork that is like poster mm-hmm. mock-ups almost. And it's a different, I would say it's a different level than just a regular composition for art because you have to include uh, actors likenesses. And mm-hmm. a lot of times there's like stipulations as to whose head is going to be the biggest <laughs> right. in a lot of these like pieces. <laughs> so it's just interesting to me, like, you know, like why is Michael Keaton's face not shown in some of these? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why is the likeness weird and why do they use certain photo references and not others? So that's, mm-hmm. I, I think that's always really interesting to me. But overall, it's always enjoyable to look at all this stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I like seeing it, especially uh, 
the artwork for Gotham. Yeah. I mean, the black and white mm-hmm. charcoal drawings are just really beautiful to look at, even though it's uh, it would be a scary place to live. Yeah. It's aesthetically yeah. very yeah. pleasing. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite stuff when uh, Dan and I were working on this episode was on uh, the Gotham City and just mm-hmm. going into the nitty gritty of the influences. Because, you know... It, Everyone knows, like, this is the quintessential Gotham City. Everyone knows, like, the Anton First type aspect. But when you get deeper into it, I'm just like, oh, like, it's really cool. Like, Flugelheim is based off of a dental clinic. Like, all, <laughs> yeah. this, all this type of stuff is <clears throat> just so deep diving that um, it's one of my favorite parts when I was going through this. Even though, like, I'm not usually a big, you know, architecture person compared to just, like, character designs and, and that stuff. Mm-hmm. But for this one, it's like, well, Gotham is very much its own character in this movie. Yeah, I wonder if there's a Japanese poster in that dentist's office. I mean, a Batman poster <laughs> in that den- dentist's office. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but it is, it is cool to see the Gotham concept art for this and then contrast it with the, the Batman Returns one where it was almost like these watercolor paintings that were also very beautiful and, and its mm-hmm. own take on Gotham. And, and you know, I know that there are completely different sets and different production designers on that, but it is, it's close enough to be in the same world. So uh, those are some of my favorites. But we'll continue this dive into Batman 1989 next week with deleted scenes and storyboards, including the storyboards with Robin in them. So until then, that is superhero stuff you should know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. So big thanks to one of our MVPs on this episode, our research assistant, Dan, for gathering a ton of these images for us. You can check out a lot more of the sources on our website, superherostuffpod.com slash show notes, where our show notes for the episode has a lot of the links for these sources, including uh, links to Rob's short film, Living in Crime Alley, as well as the full YouTube lecture from Anton First from 1990. So check that out. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to move on. And oh, yes, we have a post credit scene. <laughs> oh, shit. So, <laughs> oh, this is more concept art for Batman Returns. We did not have a chance to show in the previous episode about Batman Returns. So, Rob, you do get to talk a little bit about Batman Returns with us in this little post credit scene. Nice. This is an image of a blue and gray Batman running Ooh. through the lobby of Max Shrek's building. We never really got to see Batman inside Max Shrek's building. We saw Bruce oh, Wayne. Yeah, that's never, right. Batman yeah. was never inside. But he did, that's in right. the original Daniel Waters draft, in the opening, Batman has to go into the building to save Max Shrek from the Red Triangle Circus Gang. So hmm. this could be from that. That's cool. cool. Uh, Next are uh, shots of Shrek's office, uh, as well as, again, the Batman Returns Gotham. Uh, Again, completely different style from what we saw of the Anton First Nigel Phelps, because it's a different art production team, but still very solid, I think. Uh, This is Batman in Shrek's office, again, uh, on the way to rescue. And for the last one, I thought this was fascinating. We get Catwoman in Shrek's office, but she's in the purple and green suit from the classic comics. Ah. Wow. So... That is what we got for our post credits. So I like that's it. cool. Anyway, thanks cool. for sticking with us for that. Now, on to the Joker's fireside chat. And it's that time again, kids, for another Joker's fireside chats. How charming little Richard S. Scott J. Fitzgerald <laughs> writes, Dear Uncle Joker, Happy New Year to all three of you. The wizard, the bat, and the artiste. Last night, I won a couple of film awards. I didn't give a speech, but if I did, I would have shared that award with all three of you. Why? Your show inspired me to get back to work 
after six years of not making a film. Your creativity and film knowledge made me realize why I love being an artist. This is why I wear your branding in the last scene of the film. Probably not anything with uh, Joker on it. <laughs> <laughs> not anything with your face on it, sorry. Ah, to, say, to say thank you. So happy new year. I challenge you to keep finding superhero film facts that stump even a cinephile like me. Keep creating because it inspires me to keep churning out stuff as well. Happy 2022. <laughs> that was nice. What a lovely Thank message. Thank you, man. What a lovely yes. message. Thank you. Uh, we're always... It, it does floor me sometimes how this show has gotten, you know, had the effect that it has uh, in terms of inspiring people. It's one thing where it's just like, all right, we're telling you a lot of cool superhero shit, but messages mm -hmm. like this show, like, there's another side to it that, you know, we definitely, at least I definitely wasn't expecting to all of this. So, yeah. thank you very much for that. Yeah, well, this you. is, you know, these comments are great, obviously, so thank you for that. And, yeah, I'd like to see, you know, we inspired somebody to get back to their art, man. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fucking great. Yep. Ben, are we gonna change the name of the show to Superhero Shit? You should know. <laughs> you know, I did propose that, but we thought that that was going to uh... <laughs> eliminate maybe some of our audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That might scale you over the twelve A certificate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be at least a fifteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at least fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. these guys say shit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Mom, at what does see you next Tuesday listen. mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen a spike in England all, yes, all throughout yes. the UK. <laughs> That's weird. All right. All right. Next one, Mr. J. All righty. This one is written by little Greg O.R. Craig. Greg or Craig? <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. And he's commenting on why Harvey Dent was never Max Shrek or why Max Shrek was never Harvey Dent. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> Dear Uncle Joker, thank you for posting this. It never ceases to infuriate me that every time I listen to a Batman Returns podcast, it's repeated as if it's an undisputed fact that Max Shrek was originally meant to be Harvey Dent. Even though all evidence, particularly early screenplay drafts, indicate nothing of the sort. The contrary, in fact, and Daniel Waters has specifically stated that he tried, unsuccessfully, to incorporate Dent elsewhere in Batman 2 as it was known at the time. I hope others listen to this short video, but as far as podcasters and bloggers finally calling quits on trotting out this apocryphal fact, I won't hold my breath. Anyways, Merry Christmas and keep up the good work. <laughs> thank you, Gregor Craig. Yes, thank, thank you, you Gregor Craig. Yes, thanks for commenting on that. And please check out that video on our YouTube channel if you're a Batman Returns fan. So it's a very short one for the Christmas season. Yeah. Uh, on to the next one. I bet you didn't think the Joker would say apocryphal before. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was scared. Yeah, it was coming up, and I was looking at it. I was like, oh, I'm glad I got it right. I, the gears yes. were turning in my head. <laughs> also, that, fe oh, that video does feature Zach as the voice of Max Shrek at the end, so check that out. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shake your booties. 
Little and uh, Utesia writes, Dear Uncle Joker, I don't know if this channel talked about other Superman-related projects before the whole Superman Lives idea. I think we have had a couple Superman episodes, if I'm not mistaken. But it would be interesting to see a future video about the failed Superman 5 attempts. Like that script were, uh, from Kerry Bates. Well, the crazy one was Superman impregnates Lois before dying, and the baby grows to become the next Superman. That does sound pretty wild. Superhero Stuff You Should Know is a part of the HyperX Podcast Network. HyperX is our sponsor and the maker of the acclaimed Quadcast and Quadcast S microphones. Quadcast USB mics look and sound amazing, and they're packed with features. With four selectable polar patterns, you'll get great sound no matter what you're recording. The included shock mount and pop filter mean you won't have to shell out extra cash for a great setup. Then there's the eye-catching LED indicator and tap-to-mute sensor, so you can tap in and tap out to stop broadcast accidents. It's time for you to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast and Quadcast S. And that was Uncle Joker's Fireside Chats! We definitely plan to cover those at some point. We've only really done the 1978 Superman movie and, and the Snyder Superman movies, but we do plan to return to Superman. We've been getting some requests on that. It's just that... It's the year of the Batman. We've got Pattinson, mm. Affleck, and Keaton on screen this year, so we've been doing a lot to <laughs> prep and tie in yeah. for that. But we absolutely do plan to do that. And you know, BVS, the BVS, the unmade BVS episode that we covered was kind of our little um, gateway into that as well. Since we didn't even get to stuff. Superman two. We yeah. A, <laughs> yeah, we did a, a huge coverage on one, and yeah, we'll get to two at some point for <laughs> sure. That just took it. Just took everything out of me. That was five parts. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> It was a lot, but it was it was great coverage though. It was thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah. I'm gonna take a shot at this last name. Urteaga, maybe. Yes, potentially. Yeah. Urteaga. Urtega. Urtega. No, Urtega. Let us know. Um, but yes, Ander, thank you. Yes. Yes. Ander thank you. got thank you, that Ander. one. Yes. Thank you, yeah. Ander, for for that. We will return to Superman. It's just it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you want, if you guys want more Superman coverage, share out more of the Superman stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. in the meantime, we have one last person. I think, Mr. J, you will be interested in this. We have a message from a doppelganger of yours across the multiverse. Oh, An imposter! We, we, <laughs> we have a comment from the Joker from the Long Halloween. Oh, wow. So hopefully the hmm. audio works on this. Well, hello! It's me, the clown prince of crime, the Joker. And I'm sending you, Andrew, Benjamin, Zachary, a message to talk about the long Halloween. You guys extensively talked about how particularly the plot goes, but you never spoke about how uncurgeable the plot is. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> and anyhow, <laughs> did you not realize how stupid the Batman is? I mean, really. I mean, Catwoman was the one that truly saved the day. And she is a cat. <laughs> anyhow, that was my thoughts. What's yours? All right. Thank you. That is uh, the nice. voice of a fan, Nick Solo. Over for oh, us awesome. On, uh, the, uh, the long Halloween. So we are getting audio 
They heated your calls, Andrew. Thank you. Andrew. Yes. Please, <laughs> thank you, guys, for finally heating the calls. That was a great audio. And I'm going to put it, it out there. does not have to be an awesome voice. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. But it... You can just say, "Hey, you guys are awesome as well," or yeah. "You guys, su- you guys suck." Even I don't even give a fuck at this point. We'll kind of, we'll kind of play don't anything. Them. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, and man. then we also had the. Uh, I did not have a chance to acknowledge it in the Penguin episode, but that was the voice of Jackson Putnam as yes. the Penguin voice. The reason why I didn't get to acknowledge it is that we actually recorded the episode before he even sent in that audio. And then when he sent in the audio, I'm like, this is too good not to put yeah. in the opening. Yeah. I thought you episode. had gotten, you were in cahoots with him, Ben. Nope, not at all. Not at all. He <laughs> sent it on his own. And I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea. Like, it's a happy we just coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Synchronicity. So, uh, that was Jackson Putnam as the voice of the Penguin in the uh, opening of the Penguin episode. So thank you very much. Uh, and as for the Long Halloween stuff, Mr. Joker, Long Halloween Joker, um, yeah, I think uh, we did have an episode, the Patreon episode, we went a little deeper into the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the, in the movie, I did complain that I felt like the Long Halloween movie adaptation made Batman kind of an idiot <laughs> and made Catwoman yeah. the one who actually figured stuff out, especially when Batman's like, I never thought I had to be a detective. And I'm just like, really? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to punch bad guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just pound them into ground and make them go to sleep. So, yeah, not a, not a fan necessarily of that of that take on it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you for submitting that audio. <clears throat> yes, thank you. That was awesome. I like that. I think I've got a new protege. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have to strap him down to a table and shock him a couple times. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, now on to Andrew with the shout-outs. Oh, man. All right. Thank you, everybody, for those comments, and thank you uh, to our Patreon patrons. They are Shasta, Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noah, Jeffrey R, Asgers Webb, Jeremy H, Alex of the What Mean Podcast, I- Ian Justice, Jared P, Jamie H, Rochelle L, Matthew B, Skyler T, D, Sketchcraft, Braxton W, Renee V, and J.D., also, other supporters, Sparkageddon, SECT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kukin Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, Walter the Wobot, John Wells, Rye Guy, Jackson Putnam, Tway N, Watson, who was stage bat on Instagram, and Logan Wood, who is Shane Helms121 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And moving on from that, we got... Oh man, <laughs> the Superhouse Pod, superhero stuff pod merch, which is at superhousepod.redbubble.com <laughs> and then superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Well, who's missing? <laughs> Get your Ben Man and Teed Wizard <laughs> mugs, shirts, and shower curtains. expect at this point, Zach. <laughs> and no one else. <laughs> I'm just going to Photoshop my head on these people's bodies <laughs> yeah. so that I can be in the picture. You know what? I'll get you the login. Maybe you just just add it yourself at this point. Just, during the week, man, it's just in and out. I'm not thinking about this during the week, but I need I need to. Artwork by Stefan Santa Cruz on that one. And please send us audio, man. It's coming in. You know, if you build it, they mm-hmm. will come. Kind of thing. It just mm-hmm. takes a while for them to come, but they're finally happening. Thank you. We do appreciate it. And send audio to superhousepodcast at gmail.com can be awesome voice audio like that or can be just you giving us an audio shout out and that's it and uh i'm thunderwolf drew again i'm back to thunderwolf drew on instagram (laughs) and twitter and then i'm thunderwolf lives on youtube uh and then i'm thunderwolf drew again on uh thunderwolfdrew.com thunderwolfdrew.com is my 
portfolio where it's a lot of my photos. I do behind the scenes work uh, for a practical effects studio in Los Angeles. And uh, then after that, I have my pro- my uh, personal project, amanorecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And this is a original idea that takes a lot of influence from Power Rangers, X-Files, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, uh, and then, you know, fucking mix that all around, and you fucking got Amano Recon, but it's R-rated, <laughs> and uh, yeah, horror, sci-fi, comedy, it will be an Indiegogo campaign, and we have filmed the pitch video and we're still in, we're kind of still in production for that. So more on that later. Ben? Also shout out on this one to the fan Keva R or Kiva R for bringing our attention to Nigel Phillips and the production design and art direction screencraft book that I got specifically for this episode. Uh, and um, some of our sources that provided a lot of the tidbits for this episode. I, I went down the whole rabbit hole on Nigel Phelps just based off of your suggestion on that. So thank you on this. Um, also, shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram for being a supporter, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse, which is where Rob and I first spoke together. So thank you for that uh, club. And uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Superhouse Pod, Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. Uh, my website is benwanrider.com, where you can read... Uh, a couple scripts of mine. I've got the Gotham script called Gotham Vampire, where young Bruce faces off against the Golden Age villain, the Mad Monk, as well as my spec script for Elementary called The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective. Uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below, where you can also check out my latest project, Doctor Who, the Ronin of Time, an audio drama that I write, narrate, and edit. Uh, and try my best to do a Paul McGann impression. Sorry, Rob. Uh, and uh, <laughs> thumbnail uh, by Dan. And uh, yeah, basically, the Eighth Doctor meets Miyamoto Musashi in ancient Japan in the lead up to the Time War. Uh, my Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My son's Instagram, my cat Alfie, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. Uh, and if you have an Alfie yourself or any sort of other cat, just like the other co-hosts of this show, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box for the crazy cat lady and gent. And if you don't have a cat, but you have a dog, that's cool, too, because we also got the Bark Box, y'all. Yes, you give your dog exactly what they want with the Bark Box. You can check out our promo link in the description below or over at superherostuffpod.com slash shop, where we have all sorts of other stuff. But you can use that promo code or promo link in order to get the first month off free, valued at $35 at Bark Box. And you, you can also check out other stuff, including the big Batman uh, Farago McIntyre book, that uh, we use a lot for the concept art. You can buy that yourself. You can use our link, and you can get that book for yourself and help us out at the same time. And I think that is about it for me. On to Zach. Well, if you'd like to see more of me, or maybe less of me, and more of just the stuff I create, (laughs) you can just head on over to ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. Separate the artist from the art. Just look at at my work. Uh, You can also follow me on uh, TikTok, and on Instagram, and I haven't put anything new on YouTube in a while, but you can still follow me there. Um, it's the same thing. It's just Zachary Jackson Brown Art. I'm still doing some Spider-Man stuff on my own and working on a hook piece now for myself and some other stuff behind the scenes that I'm not allowed to share yet publicly. So mm. there's stuff coming down the pipeline. 
Nice. nice. That's cool, man. Uh, and then over to <coughs> Rob, I actually did prepare hey. the look hey. at the poster there we go. on this, but I was not aware of the influence. Ah, well, there you go. What you, you were can, talking about. But you can see it now, I think, potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, I'm going to, as you uh, plug your stuff, I'm going to actually pull it up. I'm going to actually create the comparison stuff. So Cool. Keep talking and I'll uh, create the comparison slide. Um, so yeah, my name is Rob Ayling. I'm a writer and director based in the UK. I've made a Batman fan film called Living in Crime Alley, which you can check out on YouTube. Um, it's done fairly well, I would say, in the festival circuit. <laughs> um, it went through a whole bunch of festivals. <laughs> a whole bunch of festivals. Yeah, a whole bunch of festivals, a whole bunch of awards. Yeah, um, they did pretty well. It's been it's been a quite extraordinary journey. And um, yeah... Um, there it is. There's the comparisons right there. Yeah, um, yeah, you can loosely see the comparisons yeah. right there, especially the yeah, city in particular. Um, there's the yeah. girl with the bat mask mm -hmm. on top of mm -hmm. the, you know, her father who's inside. He's, he's in. He's in the place of Jack Nicholson's Joker, and then they're over the city. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, yeah, you can totally see it now. It's yeah. great, man. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I've got to thank uh, Laurent Garden for uh, that one. Um, he's a brilliant graphic designer um, based in London, and um, mm -hmm. uh, he did that for free as well. There's a very oh, nice, cool. uh, very nice uh, gift from him. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I owe a lot him to, uh, for that one. Um, but yeah, you can check out Living in Crime Alley on YouTube. Uh, it's also on Vimeo now as well. Um, you can check out the rest of my other work as well on robailing.com, and you can also check me out on social media in, on Twitter at robailingfilm and on Instagram at at robailing. Nice. Yeah. All right. Awesome, awesome. man. Yep. And you know what? Mm. We would like you to do. What's that? We'd like you to do us a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about it. <laughs> These two slipped on a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs>